and welcome to the 77th episode of the Cinefessions podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts. My name's Brandon Chowan, and joining me tonight is Ash Collins and Mark Nadu. Ash, how the hell are you tonight? Excellent. Fantastic. I love to hear it. And Mark, how's everything going for you this evening? Mm, I'm doing good, lover. How about you? <laughs> you know, I'm doing well now. Mm-hmm. You know, so tonight we are uh, continuing our Resident Evil arc with a review of 2007's Resident Evil Extinction. We're going to move on to round 14 of the Best in the Backlog Challenge. And we're also going to discuss our top 10 personal cinefessions at the end of the show. Now, this will basically be an update for Ash and I, and then we're going to hear a, a brand new list from Mark. So I'm really excited to get talking about that. But... um. One thing I want to point out on the website, we're, I'm, we are really excited about this. So we have a, a brand new poll up there. And uh, for the first time in the history of the Cinefessions podcast, we're putting the power to decide our next podcast arc entirely in the hands of our listeners. Well, almost entirely, at least. We've decided that for our next arc, we're going to highlight one of our favorite film distribution companies. So we've narrowed it down to three of our favorites that we actually own a good amount from. And so now it's up to you guys, our listeners, to get on to Cinefessions.com and vote for which company you'd like us to cover in the next arc of the Cinefessions podcast. So the options are Draft House Films, Scream Factory, and Vinegar Syndrome. I mean, I would be thrilled to cover any of these great companies, but we are sticking to one for a five-episode arc following this Resident Evil arc that we're currently on. So head on over to Cinefessions.com, and it's right there in the sidebar to your right. You'll find the poll to vote for whichever distribution company you'd like us to cover next. And also, if you go to the website, you can find a post. Um, it'll be the second one down, I guess, now once this podcast is out. But it kind of gives some information about each company, kind of goes over the major releases, things like that, and, and goes into more detail on what we are planning to do with this arc. But um, as I mentioned, it is going to be a five episode arc. Um, And so we're going to cover for whichever company that wins five of their releases. And we're going to look at not just the, we're going to review the movie as we always do, but we're also going to look at the special features and talk about the audio and video quality uh, the best way that we can. I know I'm not very technical in terms of audio video quality, but uh, we'll, we'll give it our best, sh- our best take and uh, basically help you decide if this specific release is something that you think is worth your, your money or not. Um, so out in this five episode arc, the first three episodes are going to be um, Mark, Ash, and I just looking at the company's releases and saying, Hey, I want to review this film, this one, and this one. So the three of us are each going to pick one. So that'll be the first three weeks. The fourth week, I'm going to put all of the releases kind of in a random generator and randomly pick our fourth uh, our fourth episode in that arc, our fourth week's episode. And then the fifth one is actually going to be in the power of your hands once again. We're going to pick maybe four options, put it in another poll, and have you guys take a look at it and figure out which one you would like to hear us talk about most. So the fifth one will be a listener's choice on that final week. So we're really excited about this. Um, I... Love all three of these companies. Um, I know Mark knows a ton about Draft House films. I'm pretty damn familiar with um, uh, Scream Factory. And uh, Ash, Mark, and I are all at least familiar with Vinegar Syndrome. Um, I know, um, yeah, Mark and I own a lot of like the, you know, the the naughty releases from them. Dirty releases. (laughs) So we're going to make sure, we're going to make sure Ash gets in on those. uh, those naughty films if we uh, end up going oh, the Vinegar Syndrome route. If, so. if his wife lets him. <laughs> oh, I'm sure she will. Yeah, only if he gets permission. 
Oh, man. Getting she'll sit there and critique them with their style and everything else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the aspect ratio on this uh, release was not good. It was half her nipple for most of the scene. You know, you know, she'd just be like, she'll sit there and be like, who does that? <laughs> that uh, bitch on the screen needs to pluck her eyebrows better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, so I'm excited. It's 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 super easy to vote. So we just ask you guys go to cinefessions.com, right hand sidebar. You can't miss it. The poll's at the very top right there. Um make sure you get your vote in. Um the poll will close on Sunday, February 6th at midnight that evening. So you have through that weekend, uh, February 6th, but get your vote in. Um, you might be able to vote more than once. I frankly don't remember how the poll's set up. So, hey, spam it if you want. I don't care. Get voting. All right. So, hell yes. This next arc is going to be a hell of a lot of fun. I'm really excited about it. Mm-hmm. So, just a reminder, you guys can interact with us in a few different ways. You can find us on Twitter at Cinefessions. You can email us at contact at Cinefessions.com. And finally, you can leave us a voicemail if you want to be part of an upcoming show at 1-302-448-TALK. That's 1-302-448-8255. We love comments, questions, corrections, concerns, whatever. So please reach out to us using any of those services. And also, make sure you're following our Cinefession Instagram account where Mark, Ash, and I are, are posting basically new media pickups, um, talking about things we're going to watch. Mark actually posts um, reviews on there of his A to Z challenge. Yeah, I called it Z. It was natural, too, because I've talked to you for so long. You're welcome. But <laughs> <laughs> It feels like you just leveled up in front of my ears. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Oh, it's too funny. But yeah, so make sure you're following that Instagram page. Um, and uh, you can actually like our Facebook page also at facebook.com backslash Cinefessions and check out our long list of past reviews and vote for the next podcast arc at the aforementioned Cinefessions.com. And then finally, we are proud to tell you that this episode of the Cinefessions podcast, it's brought to you by Audible. Audible's offering a free audiobook download with a 30-day trial so all of our Cinefessions listeners can get an opportunity to check out their services. There's over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, your Android, or your Kindle devices. So head on over to audibletrial.com backslash Cinefessions to get your free audiobook. That's audibletrial.com audibletrial.com backslash Cinefessions. Easy for me to say. So, Ash, you were a little late to the podcast today, but I heard it was for good reason. Yes, yes. I had to I had to finish up and, you know, I wanted to know what the hell happened. So Absolutely. So you finally finished CSI, right? Yes. No. CSI. Okay, I wasn't yeah. sure. NCIS, CSI, I always mix those shit up. Even though I hate NCIS and I love CSI, but either way. All, See, I'm all 15 years streamed through Hulu. <sighs> You're a whore. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah so the last the last two episodes are like a, they originally aired it as a movie and then but it's like uh oh. it's listed as like a two-part episode okay. um so which is probably how they broke it up to rebroadcast it uh for syndication and stuff but uh i mean, not bad um they kind of lost some stuff as the show went on i think um yeah but uh i mean I mean, the show lost a little bit after Grissom left anyway, you know, um, uh, God, right. Uh, I can't remember his name. Peterson, William Peterson, uh, when he left the show, it lost a little bit, but they, they kind of kept it going. And even after, um, after, uh, Dead Dancing? 
Uh, well, no, Ted Danson actually kind of reinvigorated my interest in the show a little bit when he came in. Because he's Sam um, Malone. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, no, he, uh, um, oh, God, the guy who plays Morpheus. Oh, I can never remember. Lawrence Fishburne. Oh, okay. Lawrence Fishburne's character started off intriguing, and then they just kind of went completely off the rails through the end of his second season on the show, and then he left. That's when they brought Ted Danson in. Ted Danson actually had some neat arcs going, um, but they kept, you can tell the show, like, didn't have enough money to do what they had been doing in the past because, like, the texts start disappearing and they cut down how many CSI they've got and, you know, stuff like that. You know, it's like they'll mention names, but they don't show them and stuff like that. I mean, hell, even the last, the last real season, um, Brass, uh, Detective Brass, who had been with the show since the beginning, wasn't in it because they didn't have the money to basically keep him on. Um, you know, they kept kind of decreasing the budget and, you know, trying to make ends meet type of thing. I, it doesn't necessarily show, but at the same time, it does. You know, it's just, it doesn't have the same kind of flair that it did at the beginning. Uh, so I don't know. I, I mean, overall, though, I, yeah, overall, though, it was, it was, it was, uh, a good watch. I'm not upset that, you know, I sat through it. The episodes, you know, the the cases were at least still interesting. It's just they lost the, they lost the, the kind of behind the scenes spark that they had. I think. Yeah. Now, how many seasons was that? It's fifteen seasons. Hulu wow. has listed as sixteen, but the last two episodes are really just that movie. That, okay. That even used the same opening credits as season fifteen. So okay, you know, it's it, it's basically it's still season fifteen, especially since season fifteen was only eighteen episodes. Um, mm. And then you tack on those other two, and then it brings it up to twenty. So. And that's all of it now, right? Like it's done. Yep. Yeah, that's okay. done. They, the the last episode. I think aired in either 2014 or 2015. So oh okay, yeah, it's been a it's been off the air for a couple of years, but so I mean, considering the show started in either I think 99, either 99 or 2000. Yeah, wow, it was on for a long time. Yeah, it was. Jeez, excellent. So did you were you able to fit anything else in this past week, or was that pretty much it for you? Uh, no, I ended up uh, rewatching Captain America: Civil War. Which is oh, okay. streaming on Netflix. Uh, I think you listed that as what, like your number five film from last year? Yep. 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 Yes, indeed. So, yeah, I rewatched that. And, um, did you like it as much? Um, Yes, actually, I did. Good. Because uh, I picked up on more stuff that I missed the first time I saw it in theaters. So. Oh, perfect. Yeah, I still have to pick it up on, on Blu-ray, but I'm probably going to end up waiting until... Uh, especially since it's streaming on Netflix, right. <laughs> even less reason the motivation to pick it up. Um, mm-hmm. but uh, the um, oh, what else did I? Oh, I did actually play a little bit of the Resident Evil game. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. I think How'd that go for you? You guys mainly because oh. I remember all the clunky ass controls that this game yeah. had, and it's just like I think I only got like stuck in one hallway where I was bouncing back and forth. Um, but <laughs> so I was trying, annoying. I made the mistake of trying to do the no save um, trophy. So I was just going to blow through and play it without any saves. And then I got killed by a zombie. So that oh, didn't man. work too good. Yeah, especially since I played for like an hour and a half and I'm like, mm, yeah, I'm like, yeah, OK, we're going to we're going to play through with saves until I get better at this. But uh <laughs> <laughs> So I and I did pick up a couple trophies in it at least. So there's that. But good. But uh, yeah, other than that, I uh, haven't been doing a whole lot. 
Awesome. All right. What about you, Mark? What did you do this past week? You know what? Looking at my diary, I did more than I thought I would. Uh, I, I don't want to count like my late night work movies as you know uh, parts of uh, my uh, my conversation today, just because mm-hmm. um, it's all movies I've seen before, and you know pretty much everybody's seen before, like Texas Chainsaw and Hotasio and stuff like that. Uh, but I did uh, accomplish a few more films out of my. Uh, Alpha Zulu Alpha Challenge, or my AZA okay. Challenge. Um, yeah. I realize this is probably going to take me most of the year. <laughs> I've, got, <laughs> I've got July. Uh, July. I've got the letter J <laughs> done already. Uh, I'm going to post something in the next day or so on that. But okay. like, I'm not even halfway through the first alphabet, and the month's almost over, and I got to do this another five times. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, this is going to be – it's going to take a little longer than I thought it would. But that's okay. I'm having fun with it. So, uh, I watched, uh, for my, uh, letter H entry, I watched 1990s hardware with, uh, Dylan McDermott and Stacy Travis, which I got years ago for Christmas. It's a separate okay. films release. Yeah. I looked on Amazon how much, uh, you know, like I, I think I'm adding prices now because some Blu-rays, <laughs> because I hold on to them for so long, they're actually worth right. money. So, <laughs> so I guess this one is out of print on uh, from Severin. It's like going for like hundred bucks. So I'm like, oh, Sweet. wow, yeah, Holy crap, yeah. So, um, so in this one, it's it's a bit of a mindfuck as well because the cover says Dylan McDermott and Stacy Travis, but I mm-hmm. keep thinking Nancy Travis. So I'm thinking <laughs> a completely different actress, and I'm like, why isn't she showing up on screen? Because <laughs> I believe Nancy Travis, if I remember correctly, she was April O'Neil in the first Ninja Turtles. Oh, so okay. I, I think, best of my recollection. So I'm trying to, uh, I'm expecting her to show up, and I'm like, she's not there. Because she's not in the movie. It's Stacy Travis. Uh, <laughs> so in uh, this one, I know, I'm weird, right? So in this <laughs> one, um, it's a... It's a post-apocalyptic, neo-punk, um, dystopian future-style film. Um, yeah. I found the setting, it reminds me a lot of um, Dread, the uh, oh, okay. the uh, Carl Urban version with yeah. the tall buildings and the, you know, it's, people are just cramped up in these tall uh, apartment buildings or condos and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you go outside the city and it's a, you know... Uh, tread but on your own risk you know where everything's covered <laughs> in sand and moderators might come and kill you at any moment type of thing so like the wasteland right oh, i need so, to see this yeah it's actually it's pretty cool so in in this one here dylan mcdermott plays a guy called mo and i guess he was uh he was in the army got kicked out heading back home to his uh to his girlfriend's place that he hasn't seen in months meets up with some drifter has robot parts he buys them because his uh, his girlfriend is an artist um, so, you know, he might be able to use or give her the parts you can use for an art piece or something. Right. So after like a long intro, like this movie really kicked in 40 minutes in, which is a long time when the movie's about 190 or when it's about 90 minutes long. Right. So, <laughs> right. so eventually, obviously the robot parts or evil robot parts, the military project, it turns itself back on and starts reassembling itself and then becomes a killer robot film inside a, an apartment complex. Really inside oh, okay. an apartment unit, you know. Um, and it's got a weird subplot involving a stalkery neighbor that keeps peeping into into her um, apartment and does like these 
obscene phone calls, like Black Christmas style. Mm -hmm. Um, Why is this part of the film? Is it to pad the runtime? I don't know. Um, I thought it was kind of, it was a useless subplot. But the movie itself, I kind of, as much as I'm kind of being sounding a little negative about it, I really dug. um, I thought the killer robot, you don't fully see um, in full on screen until like the very end. Because he's kind of hidden in the shadows. A little like how you would like in the alien monster in the first alien. Um, you know, you don't really see the alien up until the end or even at all in the first film. Do you ever see a full body shot? I don't think so. I really yeah. don't think so. Um, in the, you get brief glimpses in Alien, uh, more so in the director's cut than yeah. the the actual theatrical cut. But it's mostly but like the, you're in the shadows and it's like it's not – you don't like see it well, right? No, yeah, in the in the theatrical cut, the only time you see it before the end of the film, full body, yeah. is in the um, corridors when it's chasing or the uh, ducks when it's chasing Dallas. Yes, okay. Um, in the in the director's cut, though, uh, you see a full body shot of it earlier on when it gets Brett. Okay. Uh, okay. It's kind of hanging there. You have to know you're looking at it to see it, but it is yeah. there. But so. Yeah. In a way, it's the same thing for hardware, where you don't really mm-hmm. see the robot in its full glory until yeah. until the end. Um, which I find he looked a lot like. Have you ever played the game Dead Space? No, you've talked about that before, though. But uh, I've not I? yet played it. Okay, yeah. So I find he looks a lot like a, a necromorph because he's got like two needles at the at the end of his uh, of his jaw, which kind of look like fangs in the movie, kind of haunches a bit like a necromorph so it looks like a steel necromorph from uh, dead space okay and, uh, i don't know i just dug it um because i like these types of like you know evil ai's reveal itself like you know the movie virus with uh, jimmy lee curtis things like that i i just like kill robots so this was up my alley yeah. um the music was really cool um the cast was fun there's a uh there is a cameo by Lemmy from Motorhead, which I really dug because I wasn't expecting him. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, it, it's not for everybody. This is not everybody's cup of tea. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was mine, though. So I recommend it. Um, I don't know if everybody would like it as much as I did, but uh, it deserves a few rewatches, though. Like, I wouldn't mind watching it again um, just to, to absorb more of its of the world itself. Yeah. But upon, like, first viewing lot, I really dug it. Awesome. So, yeah, so that was one. And uh, then for my letter I, I watched I Spit on Your Grave 2 from 2013. Yes. Now, um, I am not a fan of the original I Spit on Your Grave. I've watched oh, it. okay. I own a DVD. Mm-hmm. I have no desire to rewatch it. I just mm-hmm. didn't like it. Same thing with like The Last House on the Left. I love the remake. Yeah. I do not like the original from Wes Craven. I yeah, just, I, I would... If I was choosing between the two originals, I would watch I Spit on Your Grave before I'd watch Last House on the Left. Last House on the Left just seems even as 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 uh, mean as I Spit on Your Grave is. I feel like Last House is even uh, more mean-spirited. Y- yeah, I think originals? so. Yeah, yeah the, originals, the originals, yes. Okay, yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, so of course the uh, they remade the uh, the the first one. It's not an actual remake, but they just revitalized, I guess, the now it's a franchise in 2010. Yeah, and like reboot actually, basically. Yeah, and actually I did like it. Oh, um, it's again, excellent. I love that one. Yeah, these films are hard to watch, you know, yeah. because it, I haven't seen this third one yet. I've actually ordered it on Amazon, so I should get it uh, next time I go to the states because it was an I'm, obscene amount in Canada. 
Oh, okay. I'm the same way. I have not seen the third one yet. I've heard yeah. it's not nearly as good as one and two, but that's Probably why I kind of waited on it. But I need them all now, right? You know, yeah, I've got I need, the first I need to watch am, I, am I going to be an asshole and I get third, not get the third one? Like, come on. Come on. <laughs> that's so, one way to look at it, I guess. Yeah. What, what a fucking asshole here or what? You know? <laughs> only get the first and don't get the third. Oh. Uh, anyway. <sighs> so, um, so I, I find – so this film – and I compare it technically to a Serbian film. It's okay. shot. It's shot really well. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's technically well made, mm-hmm. but the subject matter is hard. It's it's not. It, it, it's difficult to watch. Um, do I need to rewatch Serbian film? No, I don't think so. I think I might down the line because it's been a few years already, and I wouldn't mind to watch it again to see if what I remember it being so bad as as, as I remember, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, with this one, I, I would rewatch uh, just because as bad as it gets for uh, the lead uh, actress, her name is Gemma Dallander, which I think it's only her third role, which, you know, for a third role, that's, that's really brave because she oh, is, yeah. she, she gets mistreated really, really poorly in this movie. And that's putting it mildly. Um, but her revenge is so good. Yep, exactly. It is so good. Um, but again, though, she went through a lot of shit, um, which again made it very difficult because it was shot. And like, it's not easy. Like I was gonna watch this with my girlfriend, mm-hmm. and uh, I decided not to. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. So long story short. Um, so Gemma Dallander, she plays a character called Katie Carter. Aspiring model in New York City, can't afford portfolio pictures or I guess some some new ones. Um, so she sees an ad like on a billboard about you know free pictures. You know takes the number down, makes a phone call, goes over to the photographer. It's three uh, it's three guys uh, of um, European descent. They uh, they take pictures, then they go like, oh, you know, you would look good nude, the nude pictures, and she gets offended, says no. One of the guys who seems like, you know, a little slower, um, gets a, takes a liking to her, goes to her house because she filled out a form, you know, to the, for the pictures, like a release, um, gives her the pictures that they did take and apologizes. Mm-hmm. He thinks she's going to let him in and whatever. That doesn't happen. So he eventually gets inside her place later on. I'm not sure if it's the same night or the following night and proceeds to rape her and kill someone in the apartment. Tough to watch. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know how you can film something like that. Like, I'm not sure what kind of mindset it is on set, what you have to tell the yeah. actor. Like, I, I just don't don't know how you prepare yourself for something of that nature, you know? Um, so, it's a tough scene. Eventually, I, again, um, so she, she, gets, uh, she gets raped. Uh, a, a guy who hears the commotion gets killed. Once the guy's finished, realizes what he did, calls his brothers, and of course, well, now we're going to have to clean up the mess, right? I'm going to stop there just because I don't want to give all, all the spoiler away because I, I do recommend this movie for the technical mm-hmm. of it. The subject matter, again, is difficult. It's not a Sunday night movie you watch with your folks before you have to go to work on Monday. Um, right. <laughs> but it's it's still it's still a decent film, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, it's a rape and revenge film. So yeah. in order to get to the revenge, you go through the rape, but the revenge is so fucking worth it. Oh man, the, the final. Oh, I don't. I, I don't want to spoil it just because. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, when the last brother gets what he deserves, man, mm-hmm. I had to pee. I had to pee so hard. <laughs> I, just, I, had to pee. 
I'm like, oh my god, I have to go to the bathroom. This is this is so right. Did you? Oh, I'm like, oh man. If I would have known. I've watched it years ago. I don't. I don't remember the specific. I don't remember what you're talking about. But oh, I'm okay. sure. I'm going to say it because you're there's. A, right. I'm going to say it because whatever you know. Okay, so <laughs> the final brother, the the, the worst brother, right? Mm-hmm. So he's tied down to a table, and his balls oh, are in yeah. a vice. Yes. And she turns the crank. Oh. Yeah. And she I turns remember now. the crank, mm-hmm. and he doesn't stop turning the crank. Where he starts seeing a little blood <laughs> on the floor. And then, and then you start having to go pee. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, phantom pain. And then she keeps Ugh. turning until Pop goes the weasel. Yeah. Oh, ho, ho, ho. that is some good rape, revenge, revenge. Right? Right. Exactly. So, uh, yeah. But, yeah, that's only one, that's of, the, like, one of the amazing scenes. Uh, right. Oh, it, 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 like, it, it, it was good. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you liked I mean, I'm glad you liked it. I liked it as well. Um, but that's like Bridget will watch like – a lifetime movie and it's going to be like one of these stupid like you know the jocks raped one of the girls or whatever like sure. date raped one of the girls and then they go to trial and maybe they get arrested maybe they don't and it's like this is not this is worse to me to watch than watching a, a rape and revenge film because at the end of these the asshole rapist is getting off sometimes or he's yeah. going to jail Ooh, whoopee at the end of rape revenge films the motherfucker is getting what they deserve yeah, and that's what makes them better to watch, in my opinion, than watching like a lifetime movie about about rape. Like, it's a horrible, horrible thing, and so I want to see these horrible, horrible assholes get what they deserve. Yeah, they're not nice people, and you will not feel bad for them in any way, shape, or form. Exactly. The, the only person it's you feel bad cathartic. for is the yes, is you feel bad for Katie because right. she goes, she's innocent, and mm-hmm. you know she just gets one bad phone call. You know, it, it right. sucks, but. Anyways, so there's a third. I think it came out in 2015. Yeah, it did. So I will uh, review that uh, sometime this year when I get back to I <laughs> or, or whatnot. So uh, yeah, I'm, lo- I'm actually looking forward to the uh, to the third one. Um, yeah, I need to watch that one as well. Yeah. So the last um, film I want to talk about today is uh, The Founder, the Michael Keaton McDonald's movie. Um, I was uh, opportunistic enough to get um, passes to go to Elevation Pictures uh, special screening, or I guess uh, preview screening of the founder last night. And uh, wow, I, I I really dug this film a lot. I'm a big biopic fan to begin with, uh-huh. and I'm also a fan of like business movies, okay. which is kind of a weird sub, you know, like. Right. Um, like uh, oh, I had just mentioned earlier. Um, uh, what's uh, Gordon Gecko? It's fucking um, fuck Wall Street. Wall Street. That's oh it. yes, like, God, it yeah. was right in the so, damn tip of my tongue. Yeah. yeah. So like movies like Wall Street and um, and uh, this one right here, the founder reminded me a lot of the Big Short that came out last year with Christian Bale about the collapse of the economy with the mortgages. Um, right. So, so this is the a bio. Yeah. Yeah, so this is a biopic business film in a way. It talks about, uh, or talks about, it, it's about Ray Kroc, who um, who took McDonald's uh, globally. Okay. Um, so Michael Keaton plays Ray Kroc, and uh, he starts off as, I guess, a guy who's trying to make it rich quick with a lot of different ventures, and uh, comes across uh, a McDonald's restaurant uh, in California. Um, and meets with uh, Dick McDonald and Mac McDonald, 
the original McDonald Brothers, played okay. by Nick Offerman, which you'll know from um, from Parks and Rec. Mm. I think he had that amazing Netflix video of just him drinking bourbon by a fireplace. Did you guys see that? Maybe that <laughs> no. wasn't Netflix. Maybe that wasn't Netflix. But there's a video online of you know, instead of like you know having like at Christmas time you have the fireplace, right? You know, yeah. Well, it's him in a in a uh, high back chair, smoking a cigar and drinking bourbon for like two hours. And that's all it is. <laughs> that's ridiculous. He doesn't say a word. He just wow. sits, stares at you. And just sips his bourbon. It's it's great. So <laughs> so, uh, so I like him a lot. And uh, so he plays uh, Dick McDonald, and his brother is John Carroll Lynch, who pl- uh, who plays Mac McDonald. You might know him from you know um, Gothica. He plays okay, yes. uh, the sheriff in Gothica. Um, you might oh, know him as okay. well. What's that? Uh, oh, uh, volcano. Remember the oh. uh, the movie Volcano? It was Volcano and Dante's Peak at the same time back right, in the Right, exactly. I remember him the most just because he's the guy who works in the subway and in the a pit of lava, walks through the lava and throws a girl in the subway car before he <laughs> succumbs to his injuries. I'll never forget that. I'm like, he's so heroic. <laughs> so, Oh. So they, they, they played McDonald Brothers, and uh, Michael Keaton's character Ray uh, sets up a, a franchisee deal uh, to franchise, you know, the restaurant, uh, you know, in the Midwest, on the coast, and eventually globally. Right. Um, it also has uh, Linda Cardinelli, uh, who you might know her from Freaks and Geeks, uh, Laura Dern's in it as well, uh, Patrick Wilson, which I had no clue was in. Big Patrick Wilson fan, so he's in it yeah. too. Um, yeah, so it's funny. I, I'm I don't know his story of Ray. Obviously, he's successful because there's a there's a McDonald's by my place that makes my orders incorrect every time I go. So, <laughs> so the quality control issue is uh, still prevalent in the year 2017. Right, but I don't know what the genesis of the actual franchise was. And you know, you start off really rooting for Ray. You know, and you know that he's going to do well. It's McDonald's, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and I'm looking at him and Michael Keaton. I'm like, you know what? Like he's playing the Vulture in the next Spider-Man film, so he's the big villain. And like he played Batman. Like Michael Keaton's got that face where you, he can play the good guy, and then he can play the villain as well because then he's got those eyebrows. In you know, you arc him. I'm like he could be. As good as a Joker as he would as a, as a Batman, right? Yeah. So I'm watching the movie and I'm rooting for Ray. And then, you know, Ray then gets a little little shady. And then the third act, total heel turn. So like <laughs> by the end, he is the villain of the film. Hmm. Um, and I'm like, man, Keaton has such a range, you know? Um, like, oh, yeah. Is there a movie with Michael Keaton that you don't like? Like, I haven't watched Birdman yet, um, but I'm trying to think of a movie I really disliked with Michael Keaton, and I can't think of one. I can't either. He right, was so I great in Jackie Brown. I really like Multiplicity. Oh, well. <laughs> ah, see, I uh, agreed, but I, I still liked – like, he had one character that was like a, a dimwit. He kept saying, hi, Dave. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just find that funny. I, I liked <laughs> – I enjoyed it, but I didn't like it. Like, I have watched it one time, and I never touched it again. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. only one of Michael Keaton's movies that I've ever just watched once and then just never watched it again. Hmm. Yeah, you know what? He's probably that's probably a, a lesser film of his. Like I didn't find it that funny, but like you look at Mr. Mom, you look at um uh, 
uh, like even uh, that movie with um with uh, with uh, Will Ferrell and um and uh, Mark Wahlberg uh, the good guys where he plays he plays the chief but also works at Home Depot or something oh, like the like, other guys or something the like other that? guys that's it yeah I'm like he just I don't know I get a smile when I see Michael Keaton you know yeah, and he's like great. And he is the star of this movie um again I find Nick Offerman was awesome John Carroll Lynch was awesome but Michael Keaton is driving this film and he plays a good guy to a bit of a sleaze to a fucking villain mm. in the course of two hours. Yeah. Um, and again, I was kind of shocked by tactics that he used. Um, yeah, I, I really recommend this film. Um, again, I'm a big fan of these biopic movies and I just, mm-hmm. I was entertained for two hours. I, like, I enjoyed a McDonald's movie. That said, <laughs> walk into the movie, I'm like, oh, maybe it'd be funny to have a Big Mac while we watch this, right? At the end of the movie, after seeing his business tactics, I'm like, fuck McDonald's. <laughs> so, so don't expect, <laughs> yeah. So, so as much as, you know, McDonald's is awesome stuff and whatever, mm-hmm. um, you don't want to go eat McDonald's after you watch the movie. <laughs> he's a son of a bitch. He yeah. really is. You feel bad for the actual McDonald brothers. Mm. Um, but I totally recommend it. it. This comes out tomorrow, which would be releasing today. So on the 20th of January. Okay. Um, it, it's released, uh, in, I guess, nationwide in theaters. Um, go check it out. I, I really dug it. So uh, I give it a big recommend. And that's, uh, I guess, that's distributed by Elevation Pictures. All right, Mark. That sounds like an excellent week. So uh, myself. Now, um, have you guys seen Gone Girl? Uh, no, not yet. Oh, it's I, I got it on Blu-ray, but I haven't watched it yet. I haven't seen it either. Oh, fuck. Well, I had this whole spiel ready to go. I'm a little disappointed. Oh, That's all right. I forgive oh, you. Did we break you? Yeah, you broke my heart. Is what you broke, Ash? Your achy bricky heart? Yeah, a little bit. Oh. Um, <laughs> well, um, if you want to no, pause but- it, we can watch it now. It's only two hours. So <laughs> you want to pause the podcast? We'll be right back, yeah. folks. Perfect. Sounds good. <laughs> um, but no, okay. Um, I'm I'm not going to talk about it now. Um, if you guys ever end up watching it, we'll talk about. It. I don't want to ruin anything for you. Um, but I will just say I just I don't like the movie, and I was just curious what your guys' thoughts were. Um, but yeah, well, I, I won't. Uh, I'm sorry. I heard the book's better. Yeah, yeah, that's what I heard too. But I just the story is just. <sighs> Let me know if you guys watch it. Okay. Um. So I ended up buying. Um. <laughs> uh. I finally. So Black Christmas came out from uh, the collector's edition from Scream Factory. Uh. Man, I don't know. Maybe a month ago or even more now. Okay. And um. It's been twenty nine ninety nine forever. But I've had it in my cart, just sitting there waiting for it to drop. And finally, it dropped ten bucks almost. Like it was down to twenty dollars and ninety nine cents. So I was like, Ah, uh, yes, buying this finally. And so I grabbed the um the Scream Factory copy of Black Christmas. And it's uh, one of my collector's editions, which I'm going for a complete collector's edition set from Scream Factory. So um, that one is one that I needed. And I'm very excited to have it. I cannot wait to watch it again. I really liked it the first time I saw it. Um, I have the soundtrack now. And uh, yeah, so that's yeah, what I ended up picking it's, up. It's a great movie. Now, uh, your collector's edition, does it come with the poster as well? Or is that like a special collector's edition? No, that to get the poster, you have to order it direct from Scream Factory. Oh, and it's okay. all like, like limited to like the first X amount of copies. Um, gotcha. And so I didn't get that. I like, I never really, I should because I get those posters, but I never buy it from Scream Factory. I almost always use Amazon because it's just cheaper. And yeah. frankly, I'm not rich. So <laughs> you know what I mean? So. Exactly, and free shipping because I have Prime. So, 
But um, now I so last week I for the for uh, the best in the backlog challenge or two weeks maybe last week I talked about it, I guess was um, from Beyond which was a soundtrack I got for Christmas that I hadn't seen. Mm-hmm. Well, there was another soundtrack I uh, got for Christmas, Tourist Trap, and I hadn't seen the film. And so I uh, I put that in and finally watched that one this past week. And uh, man, I was really disappointed in that one. Yeah, I don't like that one. Nope it's not it's not a good movie. Um, it's as mediocre as it gets. There's nothing uh, terrible about it, I guess. It's just not enjoyable. Uh, not that fun to watch. Um, the the quote unquote reveal is about the most obvious reveal I've ever seen in a slasher film. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's not even really a slasher film in reality. Now that I think about it. Uh, it's similar ideas, but ah, it's just, I don't know. I guess you could consider a slasher if you wanted, but it just doesn't, it doesn't feel like one when you're actually watching it. Uh, and just strange. Well, see, I don't know. The, the ending was kind of, not all their movies are, uh, you know, all the releases well, are decent movies. Well, um, did you say not all of them are? Yeah. Not all of them are like they do. Release that's true. But stinkers. yeah, unfortunately, well, that's true. But tourist trap is actually from full moon. Was oh, released by Full Moon. I, yeah, I thought in fact released Tourist Trap as well. No, they did not. That one oh. is a Full Moon one, and oh. uh, there's a there's spots where there are a ton of film grain on the on the release. It doesn't it, but it looks okay. Um, one there's a release from Screen Factory that has a lot of grain on it also, and that was uh, Dog Soldiers. Frankly, this looked better than a lot of the scenes in Dog Soldiers. But and if I remember correctly, there was a controversy with that release of Tourist Trap from Full Moon. Yes. I can't recall exactly what it is right now here. Yep. Um, I think you're absolutely right because I actually remember Chris talking about that just a couple weeks ago. Um, and I can't remember what the hell he was telling me. I, it might be that something was cut out of it, I think. Like, yeah, I think I'm not sure exactly with that. what it is. But, um, and I know that people complained about the quality of the release also, if I remember right. But, yeah. Um, yeah. So I was disappointed. Um, the, the soundtrack I haven't actually spun yet. So I'm going to listen to that. I, there were moments where I thought the music was was pretty well done while I was watching the film. Um, but man, once you get to the reveal, that happens like 40 minutes in, like mm-hmm. almost just halfway. And so then it's kind of just like um, the the final – it's not even the final act, but I, the, the finale of the film is that whole second half. And it just drags. And so I just lost interest, man. I just like couldn't get my mind from wandering. Yeah. Uh, so that was disappointment. But – um, yeah. So, and, and speaking of uh, disappointments, have you seen Driller Killer? Oh man, a long time ago. Okay. Um, that one, I am forgetting which company released it now. Maybe Blue Underground, maybe Arrow. I can't recall, but they released a steelbook of it and it was in my Amazon cart so many times and I am so fucking glad I didn't buy that movie. It is garbage. I hated it. Um, just. Man, I don't, it was just so odd, um, and not in a good way. The, uh, the main character basically, um, resorts to killing because he's under all this stress by trying to figure out how he's going to, like, pay for his apartment, pay for food. Um, he's living with these two women. Um, I, I think he, like, they're not like a three person couple, but they, like they have threesomes at points because I think that was pretty made pretty blatantly obvious. Um, and this other girl, the, the third girl is just like – I think she's like a drug addict and is just always like out of it. I, 
man, it was such a weird fucking movie. Like he's a painter and the guy comes that he's supposed to be making this painting for and doesn't like it. And so like he goes psycho and, uh, you know, starts killing people. Um, and man, just yeah, okay. a weird, disappointing film. According to this year, it was released by Arrow. Arrow. Okay. Yeah, that could absolutely be. I watched it on Amazon Instant Prime, which am uh, instant video, which um, if you have access to that, they're releasing a lot of good stuff on there. Um, well, not good necessarily, but things that I was thinking thinking about buying. Yeah. Uh, Driller Killers on there. Uh, Microwave Massacre, another one from Arrow that I was considering buying, oh, which I started yeah. watching but never finished. Okay. Um, it was. It's really like just horrible acting and just like. Um, supposed to be funny but it's not really landing for me yet mm-hmm. um but i feel like i just got to the like the first kill and so i feel like once i continue watching it might get more interesting um but it's kind of funny like some of the humor's there but uh with the other one uh your vice is a locked room and only i have the key i think it's called something like yeah, that long jello title yep exactly uh there they have a good number of arrow releases on there so definitely worth checking out if you are already an amazon prime member so um, in America, yeah. in Canada, we don't have that. Okay, right. Yep, absolutely. Um, another one. I said, I know you said you didn't really want to talk about it, but um, I was trying to figure out something to watch, and I decided I needed to rewatch High Tension. Oh, okay. And so, um, <laughs> I'll go figure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I ended up watching that one. I'm sure your post kind of subliminally pointed me in that direction. Um, but <laughs> oh, it's a fantastic film. I just wanted to, you know. Yeah, you know. There were moments that I remembered the first time I watched it, but uh, frankly, it just felt like a whole new viewing of it this time along. And uh, it is it is a really good film. I mean, the the title is just perfect because uh, Alexander Aha, or however you say it, is Aja, Asia, however you say it, Aja. Yeah. Say it one more time. Aja. Okay, Aja. Thank you. Um, That's he, how I would pronounce it. Like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, it's just able to create an insane amount of tension um, with no dialogue. It's it's pretty wonderful. But the whole uh, – I don't – I guess the whole twist on it, the whole uh, outcome of it is just – it didn't make as much sense to me in a realistic sense this time around. Um, mm-hmm. Afterwards, I actually uh, went online to see if like – to get kind of an explanation of what other people thought about it. And um, I it makes – I guess I can buy it reading some of the stuff I read about it and kind of what the director has said about it. Um, but I don't really want to spoil it in case people haven't seen it because it is a fantastic film that you definitely want to see. Um, but it's one that, you know, if at one point we do like that, uh, a French new wave of horror arc, it's definitely one that we're talking about and going into spoiler territory with. Um, but and maybe another, when you do another home invasion act, uh, right, act or pardon me, um, that one would work as well because yeah, no, absolutely would. You know, um, the um, it, it's very reminiscent of Inside. Just the the tone, the 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 well, feel, the same era, of the whole thing. You know, exactly. Yep, it's and that's yeah, that's only what I was um, kind of going for, getting at is that you can definitely tell these films, and I know you love these films, and obviously I mm-hmm. enjoyed everything I've seen. Um, Frontiers is another one I need to see. And I yeah. really, really need to watch rewatch Martyrs because I hated it the first time I watched it. But I don't know why at this point, because I love all these other films I'm watching from this from this era of French cinema. So I don't know why Martyrs was so bad to me the first time. 
I need That's to watch. I need to rewatch it. Yeah, I need to rewatch it as well. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it's funny though. Uh, speaking of Aja, um, the following night I rewatched the uh, remake of The Hills of Eyes. Oh, I love that movie too. And uh, yeah, again, fantastic because the yeah. horror is just the violence is just brutal. Like I forgot mm-hmm. about some deaths in the in the film. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it takes your breath away hmm. because it's so unexpected. Right. There's there'd be a fun arc. Um, horror movies where we'd rather watch the the remake than the original because I'd put I Spit on Your Grave, I'd put Last House on Your Left, on I the left I put I put Hell's Have Eyes as well. Hell's Have Eyes, yep. Um, the, the, um, the Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the Thirteenth, so much better than the original. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm with you. I I might be in the minority, but I fucking love the Friday the Thirteenth remake. Ash. Do you, what do you, I feel like you have thoughts on the Friday the Thirteenth remake. I like the Friday the Thirteenth remake. Okay, I, I thought so. I, I, I yeah. like the fact that the Friday the Thirteenth remake is actually tied into Michael Bay's Transformers. Okay, you're gonna have to elaborate on that a little bit. The the reboot of the Friday the Thirteenth movie, the prick that owns that cabin out in the middle of nowhere, is yeah, played by the actor who is the prick in the first Transformers movie, and he has the same fucking name. Really? Yes. Oh, I have to rewatch that. I had. No I know idea. that's fascinating. I love it. Yes. Wow. So, so in a in a kind of long shot way, they're tied together. Let me, well, let me verify because I I remember him. Being, yeah. He's the same actor, and he plays the same jerk. That's so funny. I love that. Yeah. Um, another one just kind of to go on this stupid tangent, mm-hmm. and I love the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original. I do. I don't. But. The remake with Jessica Biel is, I mean, I love that fucking movie. That's kind of like what uh, got me kind of re into the horror realm again back when I was in high school. I mean, I just love that movie. That's another one I'd probably put on there too. Well, but I could yeah. also rewatch Texas Chainsaw uh, during my night shifts. And mm-hmm. one, it's I had a bad DVD copy of it. Like it was oh, dark. Okay. It wasn't a nice copy. But yeah. like the last half hour is just chainsaw and screaming and like mm-hmm. i'm at i'm at work and i can see my coworkers getting kind of annoyed because like, oh, we're watching yeah. this and it's just chainsaw and screaming i'm like yeah you know what this really isn't that great yeah. like you know when when uh leatherface takes the first girl and then slams the steel door shut yeah that's cool that. and mm-hmm. that to me is the peak of the film um I, yeah i'm not a fan of texas chainsaw i, mm. I like the character leatherface but i don't find the original that great I didn't, i'm I in the minority i know but uh I had to say it. I didn't. I didn't see the original until after I saw the remake. Okay. Yeah. Me either. All the way through. I, like I'd seen bits and pieces on TV. And mm-hmm. I just. I never. After I watched it all the way through, I'm like, eh. it's like you if know, I'd Frank- seen it first back in the eight, early '80s. Yeah, I probably would have loved it, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, frankly, Mark, um, amongst my group of friends here, if we, you know, us, us three, and if we include Chris in this conversation, yeah. you are not in the minority. Um, really. I think, I, yeah, Chris the same way. Um, he just doesn't like the original, loves the remake. Same with you. I mean, um, Ash would prefer the remake. Uh, frankly, for me, I, I like them both for different reasons. Um, I, it's hard for me to say that I like the remake better. Um, I, if I was going to watch one, I would probably put on the remake first, though. I guess that's how I'd say it. Yeah, yeah, me too. I think it would. Yeah, Piranha, another one I'd put in that list. But anyway. I haven't seen okay. the original Piranha. Ah. Here it is. I pulled him up on IMDb. He okay. Travis Van Winkle. And in Transformers in 2007, he plays Trent DeMarco. And in Friday the 13th, the character name is Trent. 
That is fucking amazing. I love that. That's too cool. <laughs> what an interesting bit of trivia. I really enjoy that. So the Friday the 13th reboot is, tri- is, is loosely tied to the Michael. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Man, oh man. So, um, yeah, I'm also uh, seven of 52 unwatched DVDs and slash Blu-rays into my challenge now. Um, and I am five albums in to my 26th in my uh, album challenge. I added um, Nirvana's Nevermind to my list this past week. Okay. That album is interesting to me because it's, you know, when you read about it, it's so very influential and it's such an important album. And it is. I absolutely understand that. But outside of like the three or four major songs that it's known for, you know, uh, whatever, like Smells Like Teen Spirit um, and the other ones just aren't going to come to my head right now. But uh, <laughs> you, you know them if you hear them type of stuff. Oh, and sure. uh, In Bloom, Come As You Are, um, probably Lithium would be another one I'd add to that list. But yeah. outside of those, frankly, I didn't really enjoy the rest of the album all that much. Um, but – Coming from now looking back, I can't uh, – I can kind of separate the fact that I know these four songs and I've loved these four songs for a long time. Um, and so it's different, you know? I don't know. But it's – I still need to appreciate the fact that these songs were just a part of this album and it was so influential and so important. Um, but just from clearly a uh, – I don't know, just a what I liked standpoint, I just didn't like it as much as I thought I was going to. I was hoping for – Something that kind of lived up to the uh, the level of importance that I've heard about it. You know what I mean? Um, so you know, it's 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 a good album. Those four songs are fantastic. But outside of that, I was like, eh, I probably won't listen to this album in full again. Yeah. The other one, uh, the other thing, I finally got on Monday, Monday night. I got my new turntable, and yes. it is fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's it's from. I think it's Flance, F-L-A-U-N-C-E. I'm frankly not sure how to say it, but um, I ended up going with like the more expensive model, the the R81 versus the R80. And um, it's a gorgeous, uh, I think I posted a video on it so you can see it on Instagram, but mm-hmm. it's like this gorgeous uh, wood finish. Um, the thing is heavy compared to that plastic old one that I uh, was using before. Um, the I actually had to set it up, <laughs> which was actually very easy. I was worried about it, but you know, I had to put it together a little bit, um, but that was super simple. They give you a, they uh, send you a, a like URL for um, a YouTube video that you can watch and they tell you how they basically walk you through the entire thing. So it's super easy. Um, okay. But the needle uh, was just so much better. And uh, so I, I hooked it all up and got it on my, my new speaker. So altogether, my, my setup is it's a $350 setup, 250 bucks for the turntable and a hundred bucks for the speakers. And I, I couldn't be happier with it. I mean, it, it sounds so good. Um, I feel like the difference I'm finding when I'm listening to vinyl is that it feels like there, it feels like the musician is standing there playing his guitar on like an amp in my basement when I'm listening. It just, it sounds natural. It sounds, I I, I don't know what better way to describe it. It just sounds real. Um, and I don't get that as much when I was listening, when I'm not listening to vinyl. Um, and obviously like the turntable helps, um, the needles infinitely better than what I had previously. And the speakers are, are really good for the price I paid for them. And they all look really good together. I think, um, I, I just, I couldn't be happier. Uh, I put in the, 
Violent Femmes album, which I'm halfway through. So that one's going to be added to my list this coming week, I'm sure. Um, I'm halfway through. It's, I like that album a lot. It's there, like, he doesn't have a good voice, but it's, it still sounds good when it's all together. Um, the lead singer I'm talking about, obviously. And, uh, so I put that album when I first got it, it was brand new. I bought it from Barnes and Noble. I put it on and, uh, spun into my old one and it was skipping. And I was like, oh shit, like, what's going on? And so I like looked at it, trying to see if it was dirty, what was going on. And I couldn't really see anything, you know, I brushed it off, put it back on, still skipping. I was like, fuck. And that's what kind of made me think that maybe this is not the best turntable. And that's why I started looking. And what a long story short, I put it on that album last night on my new turntable. No problems at all. No skips at all. Um, it sounded great. And uh, yeah, so clearly it was just the needle from my last turntable that wasn't working quite as well. But yeah, I love it. Highly recommend it. I need to spend more time with it. You know, if I were to give like a full quote unquote review of it, which I wouldn't because I'm not an audiophile. I'm not uh, in- intelligent enough about turntables to give a full like review on it. All I can mm-hmm. give you is my layman's terms on it basically, but uh, really, really enjoying it so far. So definitely excited. I have it. Good. Yeah. You know, I forgot to mention, I got uh, the uh, Luke Cage season one, uh, soundtrack uh, on oh, yeah. vinyl uh, this week, and uh, that's from Mondo, right? Yet. It is from Mondo, yeah. So it's a few bucks, um, and uh, once I do open it up, uh, I'm gonna take uh, some uh, some pictures and post my thoughts on Instagram. Um, I just don't have time right now to uh, to give it a full listen. So uh, hopefully, yeah. uh, you know, this weekend sometime I'll be able to sit down and just relax in a beanbag chair and let it play. It's a double LP, so there's mm-hmm. two, uh, there's four, there's four sides. And, yeah. uh, yeah, and I, I haven't even opened it up yet, so I don't know what color the vinyl is. I believe it's yellow and black. Oh, so cool. Look really cool to when it spins. So, yeah, yeah I'll uh, put some more thoughts on it once I uh, dive into it. Yeah, definitely. Speaking of Mondo, um, they actually released, um, two new soundtracks last, uh, yesterday. And, um, there's a, a guy I follow who actually sold me, like I was talking about last week, the Trick or Treat, um, album and, uh, Ghostbusters. Yeah. Um, he's all about it because it's from, um, oh, what's the company? Uh, Death Waltz. Death and, Waltz, yeah. uh, the, yeah, he, he has a full collection of theirs, which I'm super jealous of. That's awesome. Um, but the ones they released were the case of the Scorpion's Tale, which is a Giallo and another Giallo. Um, uh, I can't, it's Assassinio, El Simitrio, whatever. It's, it's something Italian that I, I can't say. Um, the Scorpion with two tails. So I guess the case of the scorpion's tail and the scorpion with two tails are the two okay. are the two albums. One of them is a uh, picture disc and uh, looks pretty cool. That one is um, the scorpion with two tails. That one is um, twenty five dollars and that looks really cool. But the other one has like a yellow and red and then a uh, I'm sorry a yellow and black and then a red and black vinyl. Um, he was preaching to me like telling me how how great they are even with um, them. Even with me not having listened to the album, he said he's never been let down by them before or anything like that. And so I didn't buy them yet, but if I uh, if they're still in stock come payday, which unfortunately isn't this Friday, it's not until yeah. next Friday, come payday. If they're still in stock, I, I might grab um, at least the Case of the Scorpion's Tale because that one mm-hmm. is a double double LP set that looks really cool. And, uh, you know, he's he's just was going on and on about how, how great the releases are all the time. So yeah, might end up grabbing that them. one. And they're fantastic, but I just yeah. can't get a soundtrack without hearing or without watching the movie first. Yeah. You know, like, what if I just don't like the music? Then, you know, mm-hmm. meh. So, I don't know. I'm kind of weird when it comes to soundtracks, so I, yeah, I can't you know, just take it really nilly, you know? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like you are on one side of the spectrum. Chris is on the other. You, it's all about the music. Chris, it's all about the art. And I'm kind of in the middle. Like, if it looks badass enough, like the Tourist Trap al- uh, album, the yeah. um, uh, From Beyond, I, I, I'm okay with it, um, having not heard it. Um, but I still want the music to be good. That's why, um, I ended up passing on a couple that I otherwise would have gotten. It's just because the music wasn't there for me. Um, but some I need, do need to get from Mondo. I still want to get the Pet Cemetery album just because the, mm-hmm. the art is fucking amazing. And then Planet of the Apes because Planet of the Apes is like my favorite thing. So I need to get I those. I just haven't yet. I can appreciate the art, but the reason I buy a soundtrack is to play it. You know, right? Yeah. So, so to me, when it comes to like to vinyl, really, it could come in a, in a brown paper bag as long mm-hmm. as the disc is is good. Then that's what matters right. for me. So and that's why I say you're on the complete opposite because Chris doesn't even own a turntable, so it's all about the art. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I hate I hate putting words into his mouth, but he tells me these things, and so I I like to share them because I'm sure it matters. And so. we'll have our own reasons for collecting. Exactly right. That's absolutely right. Excellent. So let's move over to our ARC review for this week of Resident Evil Extinction. And uh, this portion of our podcast is brought to you by Impenetrable Garden, a subsidiary of the Umbrella Corporation. With all the changes in the world going on, it's good to know that there's a mega corporation out there looking out for you. As food gets scarce and plants die off due to climate change and not the release of a megavirus, Impenetrable Garden is looking out for you. For all your home gardening needs, Impenetrable Garden is there. We provide the best in genetically engineered plant material that can resist any plague, man-made or not. With these products, there's no need to worry about where your next meal is coming from because it'll be in that protective plant tray waving its fronds at you. Impenetrable Garden, growing through change. All right, so thank you to them. So Resident Evil Extinction from 2007 was directed by Russell McKay, written by Paul W.S. Anderson. It has an IMDb score of 6.3 out of the 153,639 votes, a Metacritic score of 41, a tomato meter of 22%, and an audience score of 58%. It had a budget of $45 million and a gross of $50.6 million. So Ash, what's your history with Resident Evil Extinction? It was a date movie. Uh, in the theaters. Okay. And uh, yeah, I, I brought my my wife the date to see uh, Oded. So you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then uh, I've had it on on DVD for a while now. So. Excellent. What about you, Mark? What's your history with Resident Evil Extinction? I bought it on Blu-ray and I watched it on Blu-ray. I don't recall seeing this in the theaters. I don't think I saw any yeah. other ones in the theaters. So uh, yeah, I saw it at home. Yep. And this is the first in the series that it's actually on Blu-ray. The last two copies were on DVD, so. Oh, you're watching them on DVD. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, You know, speaking uh, of that, uh, Best Buy just released those pop, uh, whatever the hell, the pop um, versions, pop art version of the Steelbooks for this entire series. So if you're interested in picking it up, there's your chance. Yeah. If I was into Steelbooks, I'd be all over that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not worth double dipping for me. Oh, yeah. I already own half the series on steelbooks anyway so i'm not rebuying them but yeah. if you don't it's a good opportunity for you before so. we start with this uh, movie i'm yeah. just looking at the director's filmography mm-hmm. so uh russell mul uh mul mul kahi yes he directed highlander oh, oh okay yeah. so we're off the bat awesome in my books because <laughs> I, I listened to the commentary and he was quite boring which i'm oh, so really bummed. 
the, the Blu-ray I have does not have commentary with Mila Jovovich. Pardon me, Jovovich. Oh, wow, I can't believe I just did that. Mila, I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't tweet me. I apologize, Mila. Oh, um, so I, I was bummed out that there was no Mila commentary on this disc because I find her infectious. Put yeah. a smile on my face. I like it. <laughs> um, she's my T-virus, you know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> yeah, I was, I was kind of bummed out. Oh, that's disappointing. Yeah, it was. You know, it's amazing um, how many times we are introduced to Alice naked with just a towel or a shower curtain or a piece of paper covering her up. I mean, it happens so often in the series. And we're only three films in. You know what's great about her, though? I don't think she ages. I, you're I absolutely don't right. Think Mila Jovovich ages. She looks <laughs> the same. Yeah, they yeah. did that with her in the Fifth Element too. They they like to yeah. be her naked. <laughs> well, she's a model, and she doesn't have any qualms about her about her sexuality and stuff, which yeah, I can appreciate. Exactly. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah I, I'm not complaining. Just give me more. <laughs> no, absolutely no. Definitely not a complaint. Just uh, an observation. But this is the first but. film though that doesn't have any nip slips. There's no. Uh, You're right. There's, there's very, no uh, shots. Very secured this time. Yeah. Maybe that's why she didn't do commentary. She's like, "Fuck this." Right. You saw, saw my nipples. You know what? Yeah, exactly. Remember, let me see my show my nipples on the big screen. Then I'm not doing commentary <laughs> for you, Sony. <laughs> oh man, um, I thought it was a, a much more interesting opening or a much more interesting way to open than the last movie. Um, I loved walking through like the familiar set pieces from the first two films. Um, because you obviously are walking what we find out to be like the clones. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, you know what? And I didn't even announce that there will be spoilers for this, but I don't oh, know yes. if I need to at this point. But yes, there will be spoilers for this film, um, just like all of our arc reviews. So keep that in mind. This is like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I just thought that was a really uh, cool intro. And then the shot of like the dozens of dead Alice's was really fucking cool. Very creepy. And I was just immediately uh, intrigued on what the hell was going on. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and what's cool too is that uh, they obviously the first film was filmed in uh, Berlin, and this one was filmed in Mexico City. So they took the original blueprints and they rebuilt the mansion set pieces and oh, okay. the uh, the uh, the corridor, the laser corridor that was mm-hmm. all rebuilt. It's not the same pieces because every movie was filmed in a different city. Yeah, I was gonna say. I think you said the second one was like Toronto, right? Oh, oh yeah, and you can see it, yeah. it's got a Canadian feel to it. Uh, yeah, that second. So, film one was Berlin, film two was Toronto, and on this one's in Mexico. Okay, that's interesting that they go so many different locations to film the same series. But at the same time, I found like every film has a different feel to it. Like the first one, it's all underground. Yeah. The second one, it's in a dark and an urban area, and like this third film. Um, it's sunlight. It's bright sun. It's mm-hmm. desert. It's a different palette, which is kind of refreshing because you can tell this one from all the other ones just because there's a lot of yellow on screen, all the sand, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I can't recall and what think- the other two are like, but uh, I find this one really uh, you c- it's really distinctive compared to the first two. Def- no, definitely right. And uh, I think having a different director for them helps a lot because you just have not only the, the look – but the feel of the whole thing, um, I think is, is important to have. And it makes the, it makes each entry, uh, kind of unique, kind of its own, which I like. Mm-hmm. I, I liked that this one feels a hell of a lot more coherent than the last one, too, by a lot. Just, just the way it's shot and 
and the way it's edited too, it doesn't feel like strung together. Like, oh, we got to throw this in, or we got to throw right. this in. They, it feels like you know they actually you know planned this. Mm-hmm. So that helps a lot. I think. No, I I agree with you definitely. Yeah, I yeah. liked um a lot better uh, those aspects of it a lot better in this one. That and there's less of that bullshit action from the second one. I knew yeah. you were going to bring that up. Yeah, I knew it because they just don't have it in this one. No, and uh, and I like it a lot more. And I don't know if it's because I watch this on Blu-ray. It just mm-hmm. seemed the cinematography is a lot better in this one. Um, yeah, it, it looks, it feels like they had they had a bigger budget for this third film in this in this series. Again, I don't they know if it's because but... it, it's well, weird because it just looks so much better. Now, is it because it's from Blu-ray to DVD? Maybe or, right? <laughs> it looks more cinematic. You know. Yeah. Well, more cinematic, but also most of it is, as my wife put it, is shot outside. It's much easier to shoot in daylight than it is yeah. to get good shots at night. Oh, yeah. it definitely but, is. But even the shots where she's walking in the desert, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, man. There's just, one point. So nice. Yeah, there's one point where I literally thought she was walking through the Platinum Dunes logo. if you guys look up the logo if you don't know what we're talking about but it's (laughs) i thought it was a damn thing i was like what the hell yeah it just it's a much prettier film out from the first two so far one of my favorite shots was the introduction of um oh god uh claire's convoy yeah they had that flyover um that was kind of like not over i guess but to the side and just the way they introduced that convoy i thought was a beautiful setup i really like that it was very mad max Yes, yes, absolutely. I absolutely wanted to watch Fury Road right after I finished watching this, and I just didn't have time. <laughs> you know what else reminded me of? It reminded me of the convoy in Twister. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah. you are absolutely right. Number That's so funny. You know? Oh, no, the extreme shit. Extreme, not the main <laughs> but, uh, Yeah, so I'm thinking, I'm thinking Mad Max, and I'm also thinking uh, Twister. Mm-hmm. Jen DeBont, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think <laughs> – that's the one thing I think uh, – I, I Russell Mulcahy is probably one of the directors that's probably I think more unappreciated or underappreciated. Mm-hmm. Um, after Highlander Two, his career kind of tanked a little bit. But Highlander Two, I don't necessarily blame him for that. That was a lot of mucking around with the production. Yeah, it's um, a bad movie. But, huh? It's Do it's I? a bad movie. Um, well, the, well, the quickening. <laughs> well, if you watch the director's cut, it's at least watchable. Oh, so, really? <laughs> there is that, but uh, but he does a lot of neat stuff with like the the camera shots and stuff like that that a lot of other directors don't think to do. Like there was that uh, I'm I'm thinking of that overhead shot in the first Highlander movie where it's kind of panning around the room and the camera kind of comes in. He does he doesn't necessarily replicate it in this movie. But he does a lot of interesting things with the cameras. It's not like they just set up the camera and go. You know, he there's a lot of movement to it and stuff like that 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 just works. Yeah, I can't comment on Highlander because I've never seen any of those. But um, what? Ooh, what? what? You've never yeah. seen the first Highlander? Now, no, you can stop at the first Highlander. I think like, <laughs> the film doesn't need a sequel. You know, uh, that's that's surprising. That makes you want to change my. Uh, but I don't own it. It doesn't really help. Yeah, if he's got Highlander on his list of movies he owns, he totally have to pick that for him. I, I don't own that movie. You don't. You do uh, not own the first Highlander? What is wrong with no, you? I've never seen it. I have no interest in watching it, frankly. I've never even heard oh, people dude. talk about it, really. Oh, it's it's fantastic. Uh, Clancy Brown, 
Sean Connery, Queen, Queen doing the yes. soundtrack, directed by Russell McGay. It's fucking awesome. What is yeah. wrong with you? It's it's pretty uh, it's pretty epic. For yeah, I remember song. the last time I got yelled at for a movie I didn't own and didn't see was Transformers the movie, and that fucking sucks. So I think I might <laughs> wait a little bit before I buy Highlander. Uh, <laughs> uh, the movie Highlander starts off with them filming in Madison Square Garden with actual like. Pro wrestling uh, with actual wrestlers. Oh, it's, really? Because uh, oh, Christopher yeah, Lambert's character Conor McLeod is watching wrestling in Madison Square Garden. That's awesome. It uh, yeah, awesome. it's hmm. it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Um, but, uh, back to extinction, I love that we've uh, reached, um, like the post-apocalyptic stage. Cause this takes place years after, a few years after the last film. Yes. And, uh, so we, here we are in this post-apocalyptic world, which is like my fa- one of my favorite film genres or, uh, film settings, I guess. And so I was just, um, really liking this one quite a bit b- because of the fact that we were already in a post-apocalyptic world. So I was like, hell yes, bring it on. Um, and then, one thing we get is that fake signal or the the distress call that turns out to be just like a pack of hillbillies from the hills have eyes mm-hmm. or um you know wrong turn something like that and um that was really strange but i love the fact that she fucking kills the guy who's about to rape her with one stiff fucking kick to the face that was fantastic love oh. that She's part of the Nemesis Project, so yep, she has exactly. a few abilities. You know, I think she has an extra quad in her leg. <laughs> <laughs> um, the scene with the dogs I thought was really cool too. Say again. Didn't she kick him onto a blade or something that was coming out of his chest, or was that later on? No, that was later. Okay. I, I frankly I don't remember when that was, but I, that wasn't then because I know it's just a kick to the face and he falls to the ground. Um, but uh, and then. Mark, how did you uh, how did you feel about that scene with the dogs? Was that too over the top? No, no, it wasn't okay. because she wasn't she wasn't acting super like she is superhuman, but she, it wasn't overtly superhuman, right? Like I just found in the second film, she was almost indestructible, like a Superman. You know, uh, like she was doing stuff that like a normal human wouldn't do because her mm-hmm. powers, like she was enhanced, but her powers aren't there yet. With this one, you know, it's been years and like her powers are growing. But it's not cartoony. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, no, like, definitely. Like, the film isn't based in reality, but it just felt more real to me than mm-hmm. the last film. Um, so I had no problems with the dogs. And it's funny uh, you mentioned the dogs because I guess with this film, they use a different type of dog compared to the previous two films where they I used – I uh, like it. Okay. Yeah. Um, I can't read my, my writing now. But they oh. use a, a breed of dog called uh, Malansi. Malansi. No, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I can't read my writing. But yeah. apparently they're more um, they're more obedient. And in this oh. film here, because I guess dogs like to lick the makeup off their faces, they actually wore like <laughs> a, a vest, like a like a, so it was like a gore vest instead of oh, like wow. spaghetti on their on their on their skin. And then they just <laughs> did CGI on the on the faces later on in post production. But That's funny. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I had no problems with the dog scene. Um, of course, you know. We would resort to, you know, hillbillies wanting to kill Alice. I just don't get it. Like, uh, I know that's. Do do we have to resort to cannibalism when the when the earth, you know, falls to pieces? Like, why? I I don't know. Well, there's nothing else to eat. It's kind of the idea I got. uh, I suppose. Like, we didn't see much uh, green space in this film. So, right, exactly. So, but yeah, I just, I don't want to like. 
I like meat, but I don't want to eat you. Yeah, that's what you say now. Give it a few yeah. years after the zombies hit, and then we'll see how you feel. That's where my belly's full right now. <laughs> Just to wait. Just to wait. Um, I thought the acting uh, in general I had no problems with except for one character, which I thought was really just the the weakest link. Um, the leader of the Umbrella Corp, who is all we see him in is the hologram in this film. And uh, he's wearing the sunglasses. You guys know which person I'm talking about? Yeah. Wesker. Wesker. Yeah. Oh, that was Wesker? Yeah. No, oh, how about that? Didn't even catch that. <laughs> Yeah. I know the yeah, name. Looks weird I guess it. I don't know what he is, but um, anyway, I thought he was horrible. Like, uh, just yes, the way he handles his lines were so unnatural. He the, his point at one at one spot, he points at one of the guys and is like, "Get it done" or some shit like that. And it was just like, "What? What is this guy?" Like, it just was the only character that didn't feel uh, real, didn't feel realistic. Um, and I, I just – I did not like him at all. And he doesn't get better as it goes on. I feel like he gets worse. Um, yeah, I'll agree with you. Uh, I don't like his uh, portrayal in this movie either. I don't remember if it's the same actor in future films. Um, I, but, th- I uh, feel like it is because I just – I remember watching future films and having kind of the same complaint. Because okay. I'm not going to – yeah, we won't talk about the next one. But I think he's in the next like one. Say that again, Ash. Wesker in the movies at all. Anyway, yeah, um, because yeah, I, but uh, I'm looking now to see. Um, don't spoil anything from few for future movies though, because I don't know if uh, well, one, our listeners may not have watched ahead, and I know I haven't. I don't really remember much. They changed um, the actor. Yeah. Do they? Okay. Okay. Yeah, he was pretty stiff in this one. I I didn't yeah. like uh, his uh, the way he was portrayed in this one at all. Okay. Um, he's he must very look stiff. Similar, but- they do change uh, actors, and the next actor they get plays him throughout the rest of the series. Okay. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um, which isn't difficult to do, because he's only a hologram in this film anyway, so I mean... Yeah. Um, so, I, I, I like the idea that Umbrella's working to basically create an army of zombies, um, but who are are these... Who are they supposed to be fighting? Is it just... It can't just be Alice and those group of survivors. Like, What's the point? I guess. Like, what? What is their goal? What's their end game? That's no, a good question. Domesticate. They weren't trying to make them into, um, to an army. They were trying to domesticate them so that they wouldn't eat everybody on contact. So that, uh, actually, like, get out there and do the thing. Yeah, I guess you're right. That's Umbrella's goal. But then it turns. What's the the main bad guy in this one's name? Uh, in this one, it's uh, isn't it Decker? Isaacs, right? Dr. Isaacs, I'm sorry. Yes. yes. Um, Isaacs, I think, is the Dr. one who tries, turns them into the army. Yeah, so I guess, I guess you're right there. Fruit Loop anyway. So. He's, say that one more time. I'm sorry. It, it, I, Dr. Isaacs, he's a Fruit Loop in this movie, though. And he's a yeah. Fruit Loop in the games, if I remember right. Oh, I don't know him from the games. I, 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 like, I, I just don't remember him if yeah, I did play with him. I'm from level one, so. <laughs> right. <laughs> I haven't reached him yet. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I fucking turned it on the other day, played maybe 10 minutes, died, and was like, fuck this. I'm turning it back yeah. off. <laughs> I almost just... did stream today before the podcast, but I'm like, you know yeah. what? No, I'm just going to hate play it. I'm going to look stupid. <laughs> like, I don't look stupid. But, oh, uh, man. But yeah, like, why do experiments on the zombies, you know, to try to enhance them? <laughs> because mm-hmm. that's what he did. Like, to domesticate them, you have to enhance them. And we don't need enhanced zombies. 
that's what we get, but we didn't need those, you know? Um, right. Uh, just, think, umbrella. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I think Umbrella's goal is just to domesticate in order to the, so that they can take back the earth. And whereas I yes. think Isaac's goal was, like you were saying, was to enhance them. And he was mm-hmm. just lying, basically. His goal was to enhance when he was making it out to be that his goal was to domesticate, which uh, he, I'm sure he wants to domesticate and enhance because if you're just enhancing him, they're still not going to do what he wants. So you obviously have to have some domestication there. But And now I, I felt the, the, the domestication scene, it just was yeah. a total rip of Day of the Dead with Bub when he's, you know, learning how to use like the Walkman and stuff like that. Oh just, yeah! Even, even the look of the zombie—it just—it <laughs> just screamed to me, "Day of the Dead." Mm-hmm. Yeah, honestly, I didn't think about it when it was on, but I, I um, when I was watching it, but I can I can definitely see what you're saying. Looking back, yeah. Um, so, uh, go ahead. Okay, so if we go back to the convoy, you know the yeah. cowboy that is uh, driving the tanker truck. Yep. Do you know who that is or what he's done? Uh, uh, no. Okay, so that's Lyndon Ashby. Okay. Okay. He played uh, Johnny Cage in the original um, World Combat film. (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't even recognize him until it was mentioned to me in the uh, in the commentary. But yeah, oh man, Johnny Cage. That was was like the first fucking thing I said when I saw this in the theaters. Look, it's Johnny Cage. (laughs) I yeah, did not. It didn't dawn on me at all. I, huh. I do find it funny though that it's only cowboys that are sharpshooters in this universe so far. Because yeah. <laughs> you had the cowboy in Stars was a sharpshooter. Mm-hmm. Now you've got uh, Johnny Cage. But uh, yeah, I had it didn't dawn on me uh, that uh, he was uh, in the Mortal Kombat. So I thought it was kind of cool. You know, I haven't seen Mortal Kombat since it was probably on VHS. Uh, I don't even own it. Yeah, I don't even remember it at all, frankly. But I remember the soundtrack. I would get that on vinyl. <laughs> really. Oh, yeah. I would totally get on the vinyl. <laughs> okay, so Isaacs apparently is not from the games specifically, uh, but he is. They meant. To, they actually named him after the guy who does the voiceover from the first movie, uh, Jason Isaacs. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. But yeah, that's what they named him after. But he. Um, the tyrant project in the games was created, uh, which is what he turns into. Yeah. Um, uh, okay. Created by Ashford uh, in the games, who hmm. I don't think has been in the movies at all. But which um, which game is Tyrant in? Is he uh, a co a co Veronica, or is he in the third one? Uh, he's in a the tyrant it, the tyrant critter itself is in a couple of them. Oh really? Um, okay. A, the first one is in. Uh, which which one does it show up in? Biohazard Zero. So Resident Evil Zero, one of them shows up in that. Um, hmm. Apparently it shows up in... Um, does it show up in the first Resident Evil game? I didn't think it did. Not that uh, I recall. I thought it was later. Oh, uh, like Resident Evil 3. In Japan. 3, okay. Um, hmm. Yeah, Biohazard 3. So Resident Evil 3. Um, yeah. But yeah, they're, so they've they fought a couple of them throughout the the games, and they have different models of them. Apparently, Umbrella starts mass producing them in the games. Oh, <laughs> really? <laughs> so Isaac's Isaac's was created specifically for the films. He's not okay. based off anyone specifically. I thought he was, but yeah. So staying he, with Isaac, he fits I, I, an Umbrella scientist from the video game so well, though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
Um, I thought they, the the way they were able to build him as a sociopath was very uh, simple and effective. Um, just leaving his coworkers in there to die without even a second yeah. thought. Uh, I thought that was a really uh, efficient way to build him as a villain. I yeah, I love that. You didn't even hesitate. That's like, oh, right. that's just dead. <laughs> I, I did like the how he, uh, you know, he tugged at his collar after the two associates died. Right. You know, just like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to serve. I'm superior, but at the same time, I just got out of there just in time. <laughs> yeah, you know? exactly. So, like, yeah, I, right now I could be bulletproof, but uh, not, <laughs> you know, that's not going to last forever. Hmm. Um, I like that we get Carlos and um, what Michael Epps' character, LJ. LJ, yeah. LJ, um, back in this film, but I, it just lead, left me wondering where the little girl was because they feel like they don't mention her at all, do they? Well, they don't. The little girl and Jill Valentine. There's no mention of them whatsoever. Oh right, yeah, I forgot about Jill. Yeah, uh, yeah. You don't want spoilers for future movies, so I right, yeah. So we'll wait on there, but. Um, yeah, I just think that was strange that they didn't mention him in anything. And the other thing that just bugs the fuck out of me is the relationship between Carlos and um, Alice. Because the only hint you get at it is the second they meet, Alice flirts with him in the car saying – I forget what she says now, but I wrote it down last week and complained about it last week. But they expand on it here, but it's all like – Something that happened in the past, something that happened in between the three years that we didn't see. They could have completely eliminated the fact like when um, Carlos is going to go kill himself at the end to save people, to blow up the thing. Um, They could have completely eliminated the kiss and it could have been just like a uh, a friendship thing of her saying goodbye to him. I just – I why shoehorn that relationship in there? It didn't help either character it it was not interesting we didn't know anything about it like what is the fucking point See, that bugged I the hell out of it. me i really? liked it just because it showed that after they saved her that they they stayed together for a while and then they went their separate ways um so but i don't I, need to see a romantic subplot but i do like the nod of like yeah we've got history you that's know? i i think it would have been stronger if it was like a friend History as opposed to a romantic history, I guess. I, at the same time, okay, Mila Mila's a, a model, and she's she's in, she's a superhuman, and he's not a bad looking right. guy. In an apocalyptic wasteland, you can't do any better. <laughs> like, <laughs> come on, you know. Well, that's not true. Then you've got you've got uh, Claire, played by uh, Ellie Larder. Again, another hell yeah. There, there's no ugly, apart from the inbred cannibal. <laughs> there's no ugly women in this movie. Everybody's right. pretty, except for like you know the undesirables. Yeah, who was the girl that LJ LJ hooked up with? Because she was beautiful as hell too. That's Ashanti. She's I guess okay. uh, an RB singer. Yes, I yep, you're don't know her right. work very well. But yeah, me my big my big issue, or my big issue, um, I had an issue with the girl that played Kmart. Her name is oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought that was okay. Dominic Swain. It, it looks like her so much. I don't know I, that name. Dominic Swain, uh, let me IMDb it quickly here. Uh, she was in a whole bunch of movies, I guess. She was in, well, she was the uh, girl in Face Off. If you Google, they look similar. Um, oh, really? She's still actually very active in films, just nothing oh. I've seen recently. Um, but okay. what is she known for? Uh, known for Face Off, Lolita. Yes, she played in the remake of Lolita as Lolita. Oh, I've never seen um, it. With Jeremy Irons? I haven't either, but I heard it's really good. Um, 
but yeah, if if you look at Dominic Swain and you look yeah. at um uh what's her name? Uh Spencer Locke, they look very similar. So but they're eleven years apart. <laughs> um but yeah, so I keep mm. thinking that's Dominic Swain and it's not. So I apologize, <laughs> Spencer. I keep hashtag Dominic <laughs> Swain. That's funny. Actually I haven't done it, I'm just saying whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But, one more issue I've got with the movie. Okay. So Carlos, right? In the second film, he gets bitten. Yeah. And he gets the antivirus. Right. He gets bitten again. Why does he turn? He's got the antivirus in him. He does, the antivirus doesn't stick around. Oh, it doesn't. The only one the antivirus sticks around in is uh, is Alice, which is why they want Alice so bad. Right. Yeah, because huh. they say like her blood has uh, something like, uh, meshed with the antivirus, blah blah blah. Okay, but I thought once you're immunized, then you're fine. I guess, I guess not. I just thought that was weird. I'm like, they don't really explain because number two, he gets saved, so he's he he got the he got the immune, immunity, right? So I have an issue with that. But if that's how they want to uh, write it off, then that's fine. Yeah. But uh, I thought he'd still be okay. Like, come on, bite me, motherfuckers! You know, I don't right. need the vest. <laughs> You know, I'll, I'll look pretty gross, but uh, at least you know I'll, I'll I won't die from uh, from your bite. Mm-hmm. Um, we get more uh, more cigarette talk. I, I'm just going to bring it up every time they bring it up in the film, just the series, <laughs> just because. Um, so this is the third film I now. I do love I do love the exchange. It is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> oh man! Now the last cigarette that uh, Carlos smokes before he uh, goes bye bye. Yeah, the marijuana cigarette. Yeah. Okay, it is marijuana cigarette. I thought yeah, that so. Was definitely a, it's either it's either a hand rolled cigarette that they right. just that they didn't have the the means to make it properly, or that's a pot. Yeah. See, I thought at first it was a hand rolled cigarette, mm-hmm. but then it was LJ's cigarette. Right. So I think that could be pot. I, I thought know. that's why it was pot was because he um he goes he said something like oh LJ you sly devil I don't know what the fuck he says but something along those lines like yeah. he pays homage to LJ that's what made me think that it was in fact you know marijuana as opposed to uh, tobacco yeah which but, would make sense given the situation I think but you know if you can grow strawberries where are you gonna find wheat plants <laughs> that's probably why there is the one that's why that's what I got from it yeah um but so uh, one thing that really bothered me was the fact that the makeup artist wasn't willing to put less makeup on these girls. These these women in this film we just talked about, they're beautiful women. They but they have all this makeup on and it doesn't make sense. They live in a post-apocalyptic world where they are literally fighting for their lives from to not die like from that. zombies. It's not just the women though. It's not yeah, just the and, women. All well, I guess I just noticed it. I just noticed like it on the women because it was more blatant, I thought. Just yeah. the amount of makeup that they're wearing. It's like, what? Why? They don't want – they just don't need it. Like, they're they're going to look good anyway. I understand. I, I understand film and, and stage. You have to have makeup to pick up your features. But yeah. you can do it in such a way that it doesn't look like you're wearing makeup. And I, that bugged the fuck out of me multiple times in this movie. I couldn't get over the fact that how much makeup they were wearing. It's like, come on. This should be the makeup director's job, the makeup artist's job to make sure it looks like they're not wearing makeup. You know, you're right. Just because um, they all look like they've just showered, <laughs> you know, like for living in your vehicles. Right. Very uh, uh, hygienic. So, exactly. 
not just that, but everybody looks well fed. And considering how well low their uh, um, food, yeah, um, they're eating like a can of tropical can of fruit, like can of beans. Yeah. Well, can and of that, beans. that's the thing. It, there was there was this um, documentary series we watched a couple years ago called The Colony. Yeah, and these people in the colony were without a full amount of food every day for like only like three weeks. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, it was like twelve weeks, but they, yeah, they've been out there for years. They lost thirty pounds in twelve weeks. Thirty to 40. oh wow, yeah. So they would they should look you know gaunt, <laughs> but they right. you know they all look healthy and like they all just got a tan and hung out and you know yeah. I, it, it's a minor nitpick, I think. Oh, it's not necessarily a minor nitpick. I it it's yeah it it's it, it, it it's combined with the makeup. Everybody looks too freaking healthy, you know. Exactly. Yeah. And it, yeah, it just, it bugged me more than it probably should, but, you know, it still bugged me, so. I can understand Mila just because she is a superhuman, mm-hmm. but, yeah. like, yeah, Ali Larder, right. she, looked, she looked too good for the movie, you know? Yeah. I loved when Alice came back and uh, rescued the convoy from the birds. Oh, um, I thought that was really cool yeah. scene. Just the birds themselves having the infected eyes. They looked fantastic. And- yeah, that that scene was very cool, and just especially all those black crows, you mm-hmm. know, in the golden desert. Just the, the the counter of the colors really, really it was a really nice shot. Right, definitely. I mean, yeah, it just it looks so cool. Love that. And also the way that they, you know, when they kill up punch the birds with the flamethrower mm-hmm. again visually <laughs> looked really yes. badass. You right. Know? So yeah, I can appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I loved, um, moving, moving a bit ahead here when they decide to go to Vegas. I loved, uh, that, that whole action sequence is, is one of my favorite in the series. I just love that action sequence. Um, and I think they do a really good job of keeping it realistic for you, Mark. Um, but, (laughs) but still managing to make it a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, but there, there's that shotgun shell through the head and the, the blood on the lens. I fucking love blood on lens scenes. And, uh, they do a really cool job, uh, with that particular, particular shot. Um, but yeah, one thing that, like, go ahead. I, know, I was gonna, just going to say like the, the action in this film, I just find it so much better than the previous films. And I think again, because there's more freedom now that the universe is well established, Right. Um, and like, and they had room to breathe in this movie, you know, because it is all set pretty much outdoors. They're not confined to four walls. And this film is not claustrophobic. No, um, no. And uh, it just, it just, and plus the fact that you don't have to squint to see what you see on screen because it is brightly lit. Um, and on Blu-ray. And, <laughs> and on Blu-ray. Um, <laughs> which, you know, actually it might make a huge difference. I might pick up the first two films uh, on that uh, still book. Right. Just because I've got them on DVD. Um, to see if there's a huge difference, but uh, I don't know. Just I find this film just has more polish with everything mm-hmm. compared to the previous two films we've watched so far. Yeah. One moment that I thought was really strange. So in this scene that we're we're still talking about, so Claire clearly knows how to eliminate the zombies, shooting them in the head. When Chris is getting eaten. Instead of shooting the zombies in the head, she starts shooting them in the back, in the leg, wherever. She clearly knows how to kill them. So why is she wasting bullets shooting them anywhere else but the head? I think it's just uh, she's acting on instinct right now. Just yeah. because her friend just died and she's it's she's emotional. 
and she's going. But I don't think that particular weapon is the one she's good with. Yeah, because she's got that Winchester, right? So what that shotgun isn't really something that she usually handles. Yeah. Um, yeah, that could be. Yeah, I, I just think you know it's like shock and like she wants you know to act quickly for revenge for the death of her friend. I, I yeah. think it's you know she's just not thinking straight right now. She's just you know she's getting pulled in all different directions emotionally. I'd probably do the same thing. I think my aim would be lessened if uh, one of you would be uh, chomped uh, by a zombie right in front of me. I'll, I'll be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I might go for the balls <laughs> first or the nether regions and then go for the head. Confuse a zombie uh, and then shoot him. I loved um, the cowboy's death. Man, it was just so brutal. Uh, him jumping off the Eiffel Tower. That was so mm-hmm. badass. Love that. Uh, the way they handled that. It's really cool. And just landing and getting impaled. Yep, exactly. So good. Um, did you guys notice? I love um, that the umbrella logo would appear in Alice's eyes at different points, just for like a half a second. Did you guys notice that at all? Yes. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, exactly. I thought that was really cool. Just a really cool small thing that I really liked. Yeah, she's getting the signal from uh, the satellite, you know, to yeah, get right. down and whatnot. Exactly. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. It's like an uh, override uh, sequence, you know? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, so when um, Dr. Isaacs kind of turns, I guess, um, that's like the first time we're introduced to a a character, a creature that can like extend their hands. And so that was kind of like jarring to me. But even that said, it still worked. Um, I, the CGI was maybe a little questionable, but overall, like, I was totally in. Like, okay, now this guy is just going to shoot his arm out for some reason, even though that's not been anything that's happened previously. Uh, but I don't know. I really I, – I, I still was just, like, all in on that at that point. And uh, I like what they were able to do with him. Um, I was disappointed, though, with kind of their final battle because it felt like – even before it happened, I wrote down like, man, Alice versus Dr. Isaac should be pretty badass. But then it was just kind of lackluster and uh, it ended so easily, so quickly, I thought. Yeah, I thought the same thing because I couldn't recall how she beat him at the end of the film. Yeah. And having them revisit the uh, the laser corridor and using the grid laser, mm-hmm. I thought it was a cheap way out. Exactly. Um, Me too. He is stronger because he shot himself with like 10 times worth of virus, right? Yeah. Um, so obviously he's going to be stronger than her. And I thought his makeup was so good. And you're yeah. right. It's really only when he did the fingertips thing that it mm-hmm. looked kind of shoddy. But the yeah, actual no, makeup definitely. work. Yeah. It reminded me a lot of this mid-90s uh, direct-to-video movie called Prometheus. Or no, Prometheus. It's called uh, Proteus. With, um, oh, okay. Oh, I forget what his name is. But there was, uh, I guess, a monster that had tentacles, which would go in your eyes and mouth and impregnate you. Mm-hmm. A lot like uh, Children of the Corn Urban Harvest. For some reason, that, I guess, the monster again at that one, I guess, impregnates people as well in a similar method by just filling your orifices with, like, its, its you know, like, finger juicy, you know, seed delivery. <laughs> I don't even know how to, pronounce, how to even explain it. <laughs> It just yeah. it kind of suffocates you and it's it throws seeds down your it's it's very phallic. Um <laughs> it like sounds being, like it's it. It's like watching an airtight porno. It just doesn't seem, you know, how can you breathe? <laughs> everything's oh. everything's filled. Um 
But yeah, so like just dying of that nature scares the hell out. Like it would actually legit scare me. Um, mm-hmm. oh, I don't know what my point was. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> you got distracted by porn. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Uh, anyways, yeah. So so just you know, I find that's an effective way to really uh, to scare your audience is to have them mm-hmm. you know have the eyes gouged out and then just them being filled with tentacle. Yeah, tentacles are scary. Octopies, multiple octopuses at once. Mm, No way. (laughs) I can't defend against that. One moment I wish they would have uh, kind of uh, lived in a little bit longer was Alice looking down and seeing just dozens of her dead self down there. Um, They don't even they they show us her, but they don't. I don't. We don't get like a full look of her watching, looking at the bodies. And I felt like that even for just another three seconds. They could have done something more there that would have really drove that effect home for me. Um, so I just thought they could have done a little bit more with that with that moment. But yeah, I do I love the I shocked. I'd be shocked as well. You know, yeah. seeing a lot of dead knees. So, absolutely, ground, I would have reacted would a, probably differently than she would have. It would have been a huge mind fuck. I think. Yeah. Um, I love when she says uh, she's talking to the the girl, the, the little girl in white, as opposed to the Red Queen. I don't know what you call her in this film, but um, I love. She says, "White is it the White Queen?" Yeah, yeah, she's the okay. White Queen. Okay, um, I knew your sister. She was a homicidal bitch. I love that. <laughs> it made me laugh out loud. <laughs> yeah, I, I got a question for you guys really quickly yeah. here. So you are. In front of a whole bunch of dead corpses of yourselves, all clones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before you move on for the final battle, would you go ahead and peek to see if it's really a perfect clone of you or not? <laughs> would, would you check? <laughs> I think I'd probably check five. I, I would check <laughs> five's your magic number. Well, I just um, think six is excessive, four is not enough. Right. <laughs> Makes perfect sense. Can't argue yeah. logic. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Given the situation, I'd probably just move on. Like, you don't have to touch or anything. You just, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I'll be honest. I, I would I would check. Yeah. Five. Only five. Five. Probably right. the less damaged ones, too. Like, if it's all shot up, you know, whatever. But you Exactly. Know, yeah. Five. <laughs> Oh man! One of the images at the end there that I really liked was the um, like the dead scientists on a pole <laughs> when Alice walks in and she sees them like sitting there on the pole. I thought that was a really cool image. I really liked that. Mm-hmm. I wish it was not lit very well, so you couldn't see it very well. Uh, but that's probably on purpose. Uh, but still, really cool, really cool moment. And then at the end, we get uh, two Alice's. Which I thought was interesting, and I don't uh, not not just two. Actually, it starts off with two, but then you realize it's not just two. You get hundreds of Alice's, and I just don't remember how they use that going into the next film. And so uh, I'm really interested to see. Yeah, I do too, and it's kind of. I think it's kind of disappointing the way oh, if I okay. recall properly. It's a little without, we'll talk about it next week. Awesome, all at the same time. Yeah, it's it's yeah. We'll talk about it next week, but. Uh, uh, if I remember correctly, I was like, oh, okay. Just, I don't want to talk about it yet. Yeah, I, I no. I think that's, yeah, that's a conversation, but yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to stop. Okay. Okay. I do, have a, I do have a counterpoint to you guys with the uh, the Isaacs getting killed. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear it. 
Well, no, I, I, I was just thinking about it. I actually think it's a, a, him getting killed that way is actually a little satisfying, just because he's been torturing all of the Alice clones, and mm. he's offed in one of the traps that he set for yeah. the Alice clones. So it's just it's kind of fitting. You know what? Yeah. Though I don't find the revenge is enough in this case here. The revenge mm. does not match the. Well, to be the fair, you are attack. Your your revenge. You're comparing it to like I spit in your grave too that you just watched. Yes. So it's kind of. <laughs> I, I want to see Isaac's balls in the vice. <laughs> I knew it. I uh, just I just wonder if they'll pop the same way. <laughs> disgusting. Um, <laughs> Totes. You know. And I didn't hate that that specific moment, how he died. It was just so easy. It was too easy. There wasn't enough fighting between the two um, like I was hoping for, I guess, was my biggest yeah. complaint. No, I agree. I found the, the, the fight sequence really abrupt. Um, mm-hmm. They each had their own little psychic uh, matchup. And then when she realized that she's no match for him, then she starts running. And then he gets caught in the, uh, you know, in the alley or in the in the hallway. And then that's that, you know. Yeah, it was so it, abrupt. It, it took two Alice's to beat him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, so anything else to add or should we move on to our final thoughts? I'm good with final thoughts. I don't think there's much that much left. Yeah, definitely. Oh, so well, you know what? Yeah, oh. go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> we we, 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 we kind of glanced over this a bit, but you okay. know, like Carlos's death. Oh, was, yes, yeah. was pretty cool. Yes. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I I don't like that they kind of offed him because I love Odette Fire, but uh, yeah, his death scene was awesome. Love that sequence. You know, I liked it in terms uh, for the character. It felt very fitting. It felt very appropriate. But the actual explosion itself, the CGI explosion, I thought was really disappointing. Yeah, I, I think again though, just sign of its times. I still, it still looked yeah. good, but it was fake. Now that semi truck they used is a miniature, um, um, a pretty really? long miniature, I guess, because uh, where they were filming was near a frog preservation, so they had, oh. could only do certain things in that <laughs> uh, in that environment. Okay, um, so I guess that's why maybe it looks a little off. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, I just thought you know, like he didn't go through the go through the uh, chain link fence, which I'm kind of surprised. Like, it just seemed I know. I turn- felt like he was far away from the entrance well, to be blowing it up where he did. Yeah. You got to look at the timing, though. He drove through a bunch of them, flipped the truck over, and then basically waited for them to swarm the truck and then blew it so that they were all going for the truck instead of hanging out in the fence. Because if he just drove in through the fence... All the zombies would have just gone right in there. Instead, yeah, that's he true. got them all to come to him and then blew the fuck out of as many of them as he could. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's good I point. think, too, that the zombies could smell the marijuana that he was smoking. The right. devil's weed. <laughs> the devil. <laughs> and then what happens when you smoke it? You blow up. You know, so that's a bit of a drug PSA. Exactly. Don't smoke weed, kids. You oh, might get blowed up by a tanker truck. <laughs> god bless <laughs> oh god <laughs> so ash what are your final thoughts and your star rating for resident evil extinction uh i i love i love uh well mulcahy's my boy uh <laughs> i there's only <laughs> been like one or two stuff things that he's done that i haven't really liked um and most of those were direct to video and 
uh, he had didn't have much cast to work with. Um, but uh, I, I like what he he brings to the table. Um, the film and it's a nice contrast compared to the other two, where they were all dark and and broody and and kind of sterile. And this one. It's out, you know, out on the move. It feels dirty. It feels gritty, and yet it happens to be the brighter, lit, more vibrant of the the film so far. Um, I the the film feels like it's shot far more coherently than the others. Um, they don't do a lot of that weird, stupid crap with the action. It feels planned out. Um, it, you know, it, it looks good, uh, and it feels. It feels paced a little bit more like a horror film, uh, but it's still very action horror. Uh, they have some great sequences in it. Um, I like the crazy Dr. Isaacs. Uh, and it's just, it, it's all in all, it's just a much better effort and and film than, than uh, uh, Apocalypse was. So uh, I will actually give this one a three out of four. Awesome. Yeah. And I totally agree with you. Um, I actually was thinking it the entire time and I just forgot to write it down that this feels more like a horror movie than any of the other ones we've seen so far. It's definitely an action movie. Don't get me wrong, but there were aspects of it that made it feel more like a horror film than the first or second one. So I'm glad you pointed that out. So what about you, Mark? What are your final thoughts on your star rating? Um, I came into this movie remembering not liking it very much, and okay. I don't know. I must have been smoking the devil's weed because right. uh, <laughs> I I actually really enjoyed watching this movie. Um, I think the reason why I wasn't excited for this one is because it played so much on TV. So, but it, it's I, I keep seeing the same section in Las Vegas when the super zombies come out. Um, yeah. so I wasn't really excited to watch it, but yeah, you know, watching it again, um, I really dug it. And Good. so far, it's probably my favorite of the series. Again, is it because I watched this one on Blu-ray and the other one's on DVD? Uh, possibility. Um, but yeah, I would... Um, I would... See, I gave the first two three. I like this one more. I don't think it's a, it's a perfect, perfect film. I wish we did quarter points, but I'm going to give this a three and a half. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. So, Ash, you gave it a 3.0. Mark, you gave it a 3.5. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, so me, you know, there's a ton to like about Resident Evil Extinction. I love the introdu introduction of Claire and her convoy um, and the fact that Alice has even more power than before, but manages to use it in a more realistic way. Um, sure, the over-the-top action sequences of Apocalypse were a lot of fun, regardless of what Mark thinks. Um, I'm just kidding, Mark. <laughs> but um, this film, it felt more grounded, which helped make the characters more effective. I thought. Um, I love the big action sequence in Las Vegas, but the final boss battle was a bit of a letdown for me. It ended without much happening um, when it really felt like that could have been the best final battle in the series yet. Um, but that disappointment aside, I really like this entry. Uh, the introduction of multiple Alice's has me really interested to interested to see where they go from here because I just don't remember much of the next film. Um, I love Allie Larder, um, and she does a great job as the leader of the convoy. Um, the CGI I found was a little bit questionable at different points, um, most notably the explosion and um, uh, Dr. Isaacs when he first turns, the very beginning of when he turns. Um, but, I mean, that doesn't do – it doesn't kill the film at all, obviously. Um, I just found Extinction, Extinction to be a really – another good example of how to do action and horror right. So, I'm going to give Resident Evil Extinction three out of four stars. So, fan – 
Fucking-tastic. So next week we move on to the fourth of sixth film in this series, and that is 2010's Afterlife. So join us for that. All right. So (laughs) yeah, Uh, let's move on to round 14 of the Best Thing the Backlog Challenge. So it is – this, of course, is where we try to conquer our personal backlogs one week at a time. And uh, each one of us takes a look at the other's unwatched pile, whether it's their home video collection or one of their streaming services like Netflix, uh, Netflix, Amazon Instant Video, or Vudu. And they pick one film the other hasn't seen yet and challenge them to watch that film before the next podcast where they then give a review of that film. So – Mark, uh, you were watching Frozen, not the Disney musical, but the Adam Green horror film. Uh, Ash, you were, <laughs> uh, Ash, you were watching Lovelace and, uh, from, thanks courtesy of Mark. And, uh, I was watching Dread courtesy of Ash. So, uh, Mark, jump in. What did you think of 2010's Frozen? Oh, I loved it. Yes. Um- I seem to be liking a lot of stuff and that I'm a positive fanboy right now. But you know what? I've been watching good stuff. Um, so I watched this just this afternoon. Uh, I didn't get a chance to watch it previously. Yeah. And uh, hot damn. I really liked it. It's been a while since I watch a horror film and I actually hold my breath. <laughs> and I held my breath a few times. Um, the only downside to this is that I can't watch this for the first time again. Because, mm-hmm. fuck, it was good. I didn't know what would happen. Um, I I had some, I, I read a blurb about a few little things, but I didn't know what the end result would be. And yeah, you know, for a film that's based in reality again, nothing supernatural, it's just wrong place, wrong time. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked it. Um, so if I could, you know, just say something about it uh, to, you know, to everybody would be, if you're going to go skiing, buy a lift ticket. <laughs> Don't scam yourself, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's got Sean Ashmore, uh, Kevin Zeggers, and Emma Bell. Uh, it's a movie that's directed by uh, Adam Green. Um, yeah, it's it's seven years old now. Um, it's fucking good. I totally recommend this film. Frozen from 2010. Fantastic. Yeah, I was just looking. Um, it was just on my top 10 um, movies that I watched in 2010. Um, and oh, it really? says Frozen. Yeah. Uh, Fro- it was number eight. So Frozen spun me around, punched me in the gut, and forced me to put this, put, put it in the top 10 list. Um, yeah, I really, I really liked it. Um, I put that he simply hit the mark with Frozen. Yeah. yeah like, it's, it's a good movie. It's a movie that should not be discussed with spoilers if mm-hmm. you've never seen it. So, right. I don't want to talk any more about the outcome of the film. Exactly. Um, but, oh, fuck, it's good. It's yeah. it's really good. What was your number one film for 2010? Uh, the Social Network. I Fortunately, I just closed it, but I looked for a second. It was The Social Network. So, <laughs> oh, <okay. You> know? <laughs> yeah. What'd you give it on IMDb? <laughs> I, I give it 11 stars. <laughs> that, that's my impersonation of you. From Yeah. Never mind. Never mind. Um... <laughs> um I uh, I really like that movie a lot. I've, I I haven't seen it since I watched it in theaters that time. I did give it a ten out of ten on on IMDb. <laughs> yeah, of course you did. Um, have you seen this movie recently? I, no, I haven't. Okay. No. Have you I, seen I, you the period? What? Oh yeah, yeah. And you know what? Okay. I have it on Blu-ray. I don't think I watched it on Blu-ray. Just in the theaters. Yeah, me either. Same thing. 
I love Fincher though. He's one of my favorites. Yes, but you know what? I think if I'd rewatch it, I'd have fatigue from that kid. Uh, whoever plays uh, Zuckerberg. Uh, oh, I see. I like Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah, but you know what? The thing is, I, I like him in this movie, but then mm-hmm. you realize he's just playing himself in every movie. So, yeah. he's, you know, um, so I don't know how much That's you talk right, about though, it I now. Like but uh, yeah, I remember that liking my, it. I just, I'm that was my sure introduction to Andrew Garfield, who I think is just a fantastic actor. Oh, uh, well, you know, hey, he's okay. You know, you don't know what he's you're saying. Reason, he is the reason why I stopped watching Doctor Who. I don't watch Doctor Who anyway, so I don't know. He, he's in a two-parter Doctor Who uh, where mm-hmm. he, it's it's a horrible, oh, it's like back in the first World War maybe or something like that. And all these okay. soldiers are turning to pigs and he's got an English accent and it's, ah, it's horrible. That's his natural, uh, <laughs> that's his natural accent. That, Yes. Really? I don't know he was English. Yeah. Yep. Oh. Yeah, he's he's not I don't I'm not a big that's it. I liked him in the Spider Man movies. Like I don't think the amazing Spider Man and Spider Man two um failed because of him. I thought it was a great Peter Parker. No, I yeah, that I absolutely agree with you. Yeah. And also I want to see his so Hacksaw Ridge. I haven't had a chance to watch that yet. I yeah, exactly. That's I've heard he's great in that. But yeah, so he he actually he moved to UK when he was three. So I'm sure his na- his uh, his accent is uh, uh, natural. Oh, I didn't. That's know. How, I'm sure it's how he really talks. But oh. yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, so you gave me no, you gave uh, Ash Lovelace to watch. So Ash, go ahead and talk about Lovelace. Yeah. Oh wait, Mark, um, stop. Yes. Wait, did you get Frozen? How many stars? I didn't ask. Oh, um, shit. I'd give it, uh, I'd give it three and a half. Awesome. Three and a half yeah. out of four. Perfect. All right, Ash, I apologize for interrupting you. What, uh, what did you think of Lovelace? Talk slowly. <laughs> <laughs> Lovelace was okay. Um, I'd actually watched Deep Throat back in my teens, probably when I shouldn't have. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, like i'd seen it before so i'd seen the movie that they were basing it off of and i didn't even realize um honestly i i I had forgotten all about what this was a what it wasn't even about before we started watching it i didn't watch the blurb uh or read the blurb before i started it um quick question so when you watched when you watched uh deep throat were you like 12 13 13 and a half (laughs) god Thirteen and three quarters. Just ignore him, please. <laughs> I'm trying. Inquiring minds want to know. <laughs> Impenetrable. I was a teenager. I was with a bunch of my buddies. So yeah, no, it, nothing, nothing happened. It was just like, uh, okay. Um, Hands above the pillow. Anyway, Lovelace is like a uh, basically a, a it's a docudrama uh, about. Uh, the uh, film's uh, star, uh, who whose only uh, intra- er, entrance into the world of porn was the film. Um, we kind of get the film. The first like third of the film is kind of like the from the outside looking in. Um, you know, here's the glamour. Here's you know how this all kind of fell into place, and how it wasn't amazing. And then the next portion of the film kind of goes back. And shows you the dark side that got her to that point. And then the last third of the film was kind of like the aftermath. Um, it was kind of... It was interesting. It was a little slow. I liked the fact that it was just 
full of people I'd seen in other other stuff before. It was just like, wow. Uh, you know, like Chris Noth and uh, the dude. Uh, like, it was just like all these people I knew from all these different places. I'm like, holy crap. Um, I think <laughs> I think the thing that got me, that cracked me up the biggest, I think, was James Franco playing Hugh Hefner. Um, <laughs> that, cracked, that cracked my shit up. I actually had to pause the movie because I was laughing too hard. Um, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I I uh, it's a little slow. It's a little more subdued than I thought it would have been. Um, I it's I, I think it's worth a look the way Boogie Nights was, but I think this is a little more realistic take on that world and what you know can go on. And like the toll it can take on people, than you know the way Boogie Nights handled it. Um, I don't know. Will I will I watch it again? Probably not. I I think it's worth firing up if you're curious about it. Um, I don't know. I it, it was interesting seeing kind of like the behind the scenes take, you know, a fictionalized behind the scenes take, but based off of her accounts of what happened. So uh, I ended up giving it uh, two out of four. Okay, so lovely two out of four. Yeah, you know. I um didn't I've not watched this from beginning to end. Um I came in, I don't know, maybe halfway through at one point and uh just started watching. And uh it was frankly, I just thought it was kind of boring from what I saw of it. Um and so I never really uh sat down to watch the rest of it from beginning to end. Yeah, but my, my, that was my wife's complaint throughout the whole movie. This is so yeah boring yeah (laughs) (laughs) so but i I was kind of the only like like i said yeah like i said the only thing that kind of really held my interest was like kind of seeing the stuff you know as it happened um yeah i don't know it 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 was it was it was decent. I wasn't like it wasn't like a oh you know we're gonna throw this together. They obviously put some thought into it. It just Mm -hmm. didn't you know I I don't know. It just wasn't as engaging I thought as it could have been. Right. And now. Mark, did you really like Lovelace, or was it kind of? What were um, your thoughts on it when you watched it? I guess I liked it, uh, but I do like hearing uh, stories of uh, the golden age of porn. That's true. Um, that is your era. Yeah, I do. I, I just I enjoy the 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 mythos around it, and uh-uh. you know, it's not like it is today. Um, and just the fact that Amanda Seyfried was naked for a lot in this movie, so that was that was enjoyable too. Yeah, definitely. Um, but. But I did hear about the film originally, you know, I think it played at uh, Sundance or something. And mm-hmm. I, again, I like biopics. Yep, so exactly. I enjoyed it. Um, if you like Boogie Nights, you'll like this one. Um, if you know the story, then, you know, it does get tragic at the end. But uh, it, it's got a very Star 80 vibe to it. Mm. Um, yeah, I, like I, I, I liked it. Would I buy it? Probably not. But it's on Netflix. It's free. Right, Check it exactly. Out. You know, watch it five minutes at a time if you have to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Sometimes some people, it's only three. <laughs> <laughs> no one's judging. I did. I did, like, I did like one of the 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 sequence where they're ripping yeah. on the guy um, that she's doing the scene with. Um, he's like, yeah, he's talking to her. And I this stuck out to me because I I love the commentary. But uh, they're all having dinner, and he's like, I want to thank you for giving me the best ten minutes of my you know of my life in the adult porn industry. Or the old film industry, and and she's like ten minutes, more like five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh, somebody can't tell time. <laughs> it's a little close to home, huh, Mark? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I'm, I'm only human. <laughs> oh 
Oh man. Anyway, um, Ash, you uh, chose Dread for me to watch, um, and so. Yeah, so I grabbed Dread mostly because it was a cheap 3D Blu-ray, and I'd heard good things about it. Um, it actually is one of those rare ones that the 3D Blu-ray and the 2D Blu-ray are actually on the same disc. Um, but yeah, so I ended up picking that one up. Um, this one bombed at the box office, from what I understand. Um, I haven't yeah. verified that, but that's what I understood. Um, bomb, but it didn't do. It didn't blow the doors off. Okay, not enough for a sequel. Right. Yeah. Um, it's like they but I know basically made back their money and that was it. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, but I know. Um, even with that said, I know it has a big cult following of sorts. Um, with fans being very vocal about how great the movie is. Um, but I never actually got around to watching it. So, um, Dread takes place in a post-apocalyptic world, like I had already mentioned, and that's one of my favorite settings. So. Um, in this world, the uh, police force has become judge, jury, and executioner, basically. Is what they say in the beginning of the film. Um, judge Dredd is paired with a rookie, Anderson, to see if she's worthy of being a judge. And Anderson, it, uh, she's a mutant, though, and uh, one of the strongest mind readers that the Force has ever seen. So even though she technically failed her exam to become a judge, uh, the chief or whatever her character was, she wants to give her a shot anyway, just because of her uh, mutant ability, her mind reading ability. So uh, Dredd and Anderson, they respond to a call at this place called Peach Towers which is uh, home of Mama, one of the uh, city's crime and drug lords. So the, the judges arrest the man that they believe is responsible for murdering these three guys. And Mama sees them walking him out and she's worried that if the judge leaves with the suspects or with the suspect, then he's going to squeal and give up what Mama is actually doing in the tower. And so she uses her power to lock the tower down and then tries to take Anderson and Dredd out before they're able to leave. Uh, so that's that's the basic setup, and I had no idea uh, this is what I was getting into at all. I expected this story to be on a much larger scale rather than ha- taking place in this one big tower the entire time. But that mm-hmm. said, I'm glad it was set up this way because it worked ridiculously well. Um, the action's incredible. The acting is in, is just as strong. Um, the character of Dread. He's, though he's really faceless because he's always wearing this mask, it's as deep as he as he needs to be. And Anderson really does a good job of being kind of like the emotion in the film. And the, the chemistry between the two is very natural. And I loved watching them kick ass, you know, throughout the entire film. Um, but the most surprising aspect had to be, for me, how beautifully shot the film was. Oh. Um, the characters, they take this drug – um, that makes them feel like everything is moving in slow motion. It's called slow-mo. And uh, the director does a fantastic job using this to his advantage to just find some breathtaking shots. Um, even though we're in an, a 200-floor tower the entire time, there's still just some amazing shots in this. Um, I thought Dread was just a a pulse-pounding action flick. Uh, you know, you, you hear that term, but I thought that was really what it was, just at its core. It was a great example of that. Um, and it, it does the action better than most. I absolutely fucking love this movie. And I now know that one of the biggest cinematic sins in all of Hollywood is that Dread has not gotten a sequel. Uh, this series, I feel like, could last a good number of films and still be interesting. And so I'm really disappointed that it didn't do better so that we could see more. But either way, uh, Dread was fucking great. I'm giving it four out of four stars. So nice. definitely, definitely nice. happy I watched that one. And the reason why he kept his mask on, or I guess his helmet on, is in the comic book, he never takes it off. So that's one oh. of the big pause from Judge Dread, this Stallone yeah. film. 
is that he takes off his helmet. Okay. So, so this dread is more uh, uh, faithful to the original material. Gotcha. That's interesting. And I didn't mind that at all. I thought he was still very good, like very intriguing. Uh, never saw his pretty little face, Carl <laughs> Urban, but that's fine. You know, yeah, uh, Urban and Urban does such a great job with it too. Just mm-hmm. you, <laughs> just emoting with his mouth. He yeah, exactly. <laughs> he God, loves the material. or not, just by looking at his face, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. It was uh, definitely a treat. So thank you for for introducing me to Dread. Really appreciated that one. So um, next week, uh, for next week rather, I am picking for you, Ash. Ash, you are picking for Mark, and Mark, you are picking for me. Right? Yes, no, that's correct. Okay, <laughs> good. So, um, Ash, what is, do you have? You have you picked a film for Mark to watch for next week? Oh God. Uh, no, skip me for a second. Okay. Okay. We'll come back. So I will, um, I'll pick for, I'll, I'll pick for you, Ash. Ash, so you just updated your unwatched list and there are a handful of films that I think would be fantastic, but there's one that you haven't watched that I, I mean, I, it was just such a, a revelatory film for me and I don't want to build it up too much, but I mean, it, frankly, it's one of my favorite films ever. It's, oh, it's so good. Um, I think. And so I'm going to have you watch that one first and then uh, kind of move on from there. Uh, but the film I want you to watch for next week is uh, 1967, I believe, The Graduate. Ah, okay. Yeah. One of the the best soundtracks. Uh, oh, just it's it's I love it. I hope uh, I hope it has at least partially the same effect on you as it did me. So, Mark, yes. What do I get to watch for next week? Well, going through your collection, you have a bunch of um, um, movie, I guess, like four packs. So, oh, okay. What I found under four cult movie marathon volume one yeah. is 1972's The Unholy Rollers. <laughs> okay, fantastic. Yeah, so you're watching a 70s film regarding women's roller derby. Excellent. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I find we've been kind of too, too recent, you know, in the backlog. So we got to, we got to kind of peel back a few layers here, go down a decade or two. Yeah. Um, perfect. And yeah. So Unholy Rollers from 1972. Excellent. So uh, Ash is going to the 60s. I'm going to the 70s. Where, where's Mark going, Ash? Mark, I'm going to send you. Oh, it's 90s? Eh, fuck it. You're going to the 90s. Okay. <laughs> uh, Waxwork 2, Lost in Time. Ooh, and that's off the Vestron, Vestron. video I just got. Yeah. I loved the first one. Um, I heard bad things about the second one, but that's okay. <laughs> I am totally going to watch that. I, I I first originally watched. I've never actually seen the first Waxworks at all. I've only seen Waxworks two. Okay. Um, but the first time I watched it was on like Cinemax or HBO way back when. Um, but uh, I I enjoyed it. I don't remember even remotely <laughs> what the hell was going on in that movie. But I yeah. do remember they had some decent uh, practical effects that work. So. Well, I might actually rewatch the first one, then rewatch the sec the sequel just because. If I have time, I will do that. Um, but if not, yeah, I'm all up for watching that one. I'm excited. 
Yeah, you know, I was thinking if I have time, I'm gonna I might try to watch both those also because I do own uh, I own that same Vestron release, and so I need to uh, need to watch that. And have you seen the recent releases for Vestron that's coming out in January? Um, in January. Yes. So they're coming uh, out later this month. Um. So yeah, you're talking about uh, as parents was one of them. Parent, and then uh, uh, layer of the white layer. I think. Yeah, layer of the white worm. I think you're right. Yep. And then there's a third one that's coming out uh, in February. Yeah, I think there was one that was just announced that I was excited about, uh, but I can't remember what the hell movie it was now. I pre-ordered it just because they're even though even though it's uh, in Canada is like forty five bucks, so I'm not buying it. So I'm buying it through dot com, um, and it's only twenty four ninety eight. Um, let me just pull up my recent uh, order history here. And they'll be able to tell you. But they just announced as well, they're releasing the uh, Wishmaster collection. So they're releasing oh, Wishmaster okay. 1 to 4. I've oh, wow. Seen, yeah, I've only seen the first two. Um, the first one that is actually very scary. I remember not liking it because it was just, it made me feel sick after. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. But uh, in Wishmaster 2, is fucking hilarious. Oh, uh, The Gate. They're also releasing yes. The Gate. I've not seen that's that, and I've heard good things about oh, it. Oh, it's oh fantastic. That movie's great. <laughs> yes, and that's out on February 28th. And especially okay. as a vinyl lover now, you're going to yeah. dig this one a awesome. lot. Um, yeah, so right now, uh, IP ordered uh, Layer of the White Worm and Parents for $24.99. And the gate right now is $28.59. So uh, here's my thing with, uh, with Vestron. Like, I was planning on having a complete set and just buying them as they came out. But then they released Chud 2. And yeah. Return of the Living Dead 3. Well, I don't own yeah. Chud, and I don't own Return of the Living Dead 2. So it's like, why am I going to spend 50 bucks on these two films that I'm not even going to watch until I own Chud and Return well, of the Living Dead 2? Return of the Living Dead 2. Trust me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you want Return 2. It's it's decent, but you don't. it's not linked to 3. So yeah. you don't oh, have to okay. have 2 I've to watched, enjoy 3. Uh, you can, if, you, if you watch the first one, you can jump right to 3. Oh, okay. That's good to know. And with then, Chud 2, yeah, um, the- Arrow released uh, Chud on um, yeah. Blu-ray. And I had that on my cart, so, but then I was like, ah, oh, I'm spending so much money. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. I'm just I, I know. So I, I bought the Arrow Chud just because mm-hmm. I got the Vestron Chud 2. Yeah, um, that's what I'm was. That's what i going to do when I end up picking it up. But And I don't know anything about Lair of the White Worm uh, at all. And parents either. Uh, I'm. I'm just now. I'm getting them just because they're Vestron, which might be dumb to some. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a reason why they release them. And even like the Wishmaster series. Yeah. If it's not ridiculously expensive, I'll pick it up. But if they're going to charge seventy bucks, there's no way I'm buying. Exactly. Um, there's no way. Like, it should be maybe at the most forty forty five mm-hmm. US. Then it's like ten bucks a flick. I can swallow that. Right, but if they're gonna charge it like they did, uh, like they do with the um, uh, Arrow release of the first three Hellraisers, like I'm not paying a hundred bucks for Hellraiser one to three. Yeah, even exactly. though it's the best, I'm not paying that much for it. Um, yeah. So hopefully they haven't released the price point yet, but I'm hoping it's reasonable. Yeah, Arrow's releasing in the UK that Phantasm set for a hundred bucks. I'm really tempted yeah. to buy that because I have a free to free player. Oh really? Oh yeah. But I heard I heard Ravager the fifth one is not good at all, and I I don't know I'm I'm torn on that one yeah. because I, I've 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 only got the first one on DVD. I don't have the other ones. I just don't know if it's worth the cash. Yeah, I don't own like, any of them. Nice, but yeah. Yeah. 
Awesome. Mm-hmm. So just to recap for next week, Mark, okay. you are watching Waxworks 2, Lost in Time from 1992. Ooh. Ash, yes. you're watching The Graduate from 60, 1967. And I am watching The Unholy Rollers from 1972. So it should be quite an eclectic mix for next week. I'm really excited. Yes. Oh, oh um, related to Best in the Backlog Challenge. Yes. Um, the guest is on my backlog and has been for a long time since Mark mentioned it. Um, it is leaving Netflix US on the 25th. So yeah, if you haven't watched it yet, I'm going to end up watching that along with uh, the graduate. Yeah, definitely a good, uh, a good PSA there. Cause that's one I, I need to watch as well. So hopefully I can watch that this week. And if you guys don't get in the time, it's $9.96 on amazon.com. Oh, okay. So it's only 10 bucks. So, uh, yeah. also worth a purchase. Yeah. I think I paid twice as much. very good so yeah right exactly uh so before we wrap up for the evening let's discuss uh our top 10 personal cinefessions um kind of for 2017 so if if you're a longtime listener of the show you'll know on one of the maybe first few episodes or so we uh ash and uh chris and i developed a a list of 10 personal cinefessions so basically what these are are films that it's kind of our shameless on films that we haven't seen, uh, films that we think we'll enjoy, we've been told we'll enjoy, films that we've always felt we needed to see for whatever reason and just haven't gotten around to them. So, Ash, you and I created that list uh, back when, and so basically we're just updating uh, of anything that we've taken off, uh, kind of replacing it with something else. So, um, at the beginning of each year, um, if we need to wait that long, we can just go in and um, discuss what uh, basically kind of uh, update our lists, I guess is what we'd say. Um, but Mark, this is going to be brand new for you. So um, let me, let me, I'll start. Um, and so it was, uh, it was originally 12 films. We kind of chopped it down to 10 just because I forgot how many films it was. But um, okay. so uh, films that were previously on my, on my list that are no longer there uh, were our Rosemary's Baby, Die Hard and Suspiria. So those were three original films around my list, but are no longer there. Um, and so now on my list, I'm just going to go through, t- say my 10. I don't want to spend too terribly much time on this. Like I said, we talked about them in the past. But um, for me, I'm just going in alphabetical order here. Uh, so first up is uh, 1977's Annie Hall. Um, and really, this one represents more than just Annie Hall. I've never seen a Woody Allen film, period. <laughs> and so uh, that's really? kind of... Yeah, this is kind of just a representative of that as a whole. Um, and so I have that one on there. Um, a Clockwork Orange from 1971. Um, I actually started uh, started watching this one and uh, only made it like 20 minutes in and I uh, ended up just turning it off for whatever reason. Um, not that I disliked it. It's it's a strange movie, that's for sure, but definitely one I want to watch. Um, third up would be Godzilla. The original 1954 version. Um, I own the Criterion Collection Blu-ray, so I just need to watch it. Um, number four on my list would be Hoop Dreams, the, uh, sports documentary. Also own it on Criterion. I love sports. I love documentaries. There's no reason I haven't watched this. I need to. Um, so a new one on my list, and this is going to be the only new one from the original list that I created, which frankly, a lot of our listeners wouldn't have heard anyway, I understand. But, um, this one is 1979's Phantasm. Um, you know, I'm, I'm familiar with almost all of horror's biggest icons, but for some reason, the tall man's always eluded me. I just have not watched this film. Um, and so this is one I definitely need to see and, uh, as soon as possible. 
Um, the next up would be Raging Bull from 1980. Again, I love sports. I love sports movies. Um, Taxi Driver is a personal favorite of mine, and uh, De Niro, uh, De Niro rather, um, is starring in Raging Bull as well. I, it's a Scorsese film. I mean, there's no reason I wouldn't like it. I need to watch it. Uh, Sunset Boulevard from 1950 was another one. Uh, this is one when I was prepping to teach a film course. My uh, my professor who was helping helping me uh, through that. Uh, was just uh, ranting and raving about how much I would like it because he, he considers it a non-traditional horror film and he's just certain I'm going to like it. And so I own it on Blu-ray. I just haven't, um, haven't, uh, watched it yet. So that's another one on there. Um, next up would be, uh, 1957's 12 Angry Men. Um, uh, I generally enjoy courtroom dramas whenever I watch them, whether it's on TV or in form of a television series or a movie. So I'm sure this is one, um, I'd like and I've heard, you know, obviously nothing but stellar things about it. So another one I want to watch. Um, number nine would be 2001, A Space Odyssey, another, um, Kubrick, uh, film. He's obviously an icon. Um, The Shining is, is one of the, the greatest horror films out there. Um, you know, I, I like what I've seen from Kubrick in the past. I, uh, I didn't really like, um, uh, what the hell? Uh, Dr. Strangelove wasn't a fan of that one, but otherwise I've liked what I've seen of his. Um, and so Clockwork Orange and, uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey are two that I definitely want to see. And then last but not least, um, and this is probably like the biggest one on here in terms of how disappointed I am in myself for not having seen it yet. Um, and that's 1958's Vertigo, obviously the Hitchcock film. Um, I'm really excited for my first viewing of this. And, uh, you know, it always appears on people's, on like the, the best, the best of lists and whatnot. Um, and so 1958's Vertigo is one of those that I just absolutely need to see. And frankly, I need to watch more of Hitchcock. You know, I know Psycho and Birds and things like that. Um, but I need to watch more of his films. And so that's another one that's kind of representative of Hitchcock as a whole. So, so those are my 10. Annie Hall, Clockwork Orange, Godzilla, Hoop Dreams, Phantasm, Raging Bull, Sunset Boulevard, 12 Angry Men, 2001 A Space Odyssey, and Vertigo. Um, so Ash, go ahead and update your list for 2017. Okay. Well, um, apparently I watched Clockwork. I watched Clockwork Orange, but I didn't add it to my list. I'll have to amend that. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, let's see. Okay. So my old list, uh, I actually had 12 titles on it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Casablanca, Creature from the Black Lagoon, Bride of Frankenstein, The Wolfman, Dr. Strangelove, Clockwork Orange, um, War of the Worlds, the 1950, yeah, 53 film, uh, Barbarella, Our Man Flint, Seven Samurai, Breakfast at Tiffany's, and Once Upon a Time in the West. Uh, through 2013, I knocked off Our Man Flint and Barbarella, and 2014, I knocked off Dr. Strangelove, Once Upon a Time in the West, Bride of Frankenstein, Wolfman, Breakfast at Tiffany's, and Clockwork Orange. So, uh, that carried me over Casablanca. Uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon and Seven Samurai. I ended up adding uh, Ran uh, from 1985. The Fortress, which was one of uh, George Lucas's inspirations for Star Wars. Yeah, I definitely want to see that one also. Uh, Let's see, Way of the Dragon uh, from 1972, a Bruce Lee movie I hadn't seen, or I've only seen clips of. I've never seen the whole thing. Mm. Um, The Odessa File. Um looked interesting uh the manchurian candidate from 62 Ooh. never actually seen that one all the way through i've seen bits and pieces here and there when it was on tv 
uh, Anatomy of a Murder from 1959, and North by Northwest, also from 1950. Excellent. Yeah, I don't think I've seen many on your list either, so very good. Cool. Excellent. So, Mark, introduce us to your top 10 personal cinefessions for the year. Okay, so these are some of the films I own, some I have to pick up, um, but they're old movies I've wanted to see, and uh, I just never sat down to watch them. Um, so in no particular order, I'm starting with The, the Godfather Part 2 from 1974. Yeah, okay. I, I love the first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember watching it uh, when the video game came out. <laughs> and then I played the shit out of the video game because it it's so close to the movie, and I, lo- I don't know why I never watched Part 2. Um, but that's one I want to take care of this year. Um, Orson Welles' Citizen Kane from 1941. Oh, yeah. Another one that I've owned for over probably a decade on DVD. I've never opened. Um, so I want to rectify that. Um, 1984's Street of Fire is one movie that I keep reading about. Uh, the poster art is amazing. I just have never watched. So I really want to watch that. I've never heard of that one. Oh, boy. Okay, well, let me click on it here. Uh, it's got uh, Michael Pare is the main lead. Uh, Diane Lane, Rick Moranis is in it. Bill Paxton, William Dafoe, uh, a young Kathy Griffin, E.G. Daly. Like, this movie is awesome. Pretty much, I think a guy's, a guy's girlfriend gets kidnapped and he's on a mission to save her. I think that's pretty much what the... Um, the gist of the film is okay. For sure. I don't want to read too much of a synopsis and right. uh, I've never seen it. So um, I just like, it's, I like the, the look of the film. So I put on the list. Um, I also picked 1985's to live and die in LA. Uh, that one stars, I believe William Peterson. Uh, it's a William freaking uh, thriller. And William Peterson plays a special agent who's actually after uh, William Dafoe, who's a counterfeiter. So it's a it's a cat and mouse style movie, I suppose. Okay. Um, it's always interested me as well. I've just never watched it. So that's on my list. Um, I've got from 19... Let me go back here. It's not clicking. From uh, 1955, The Night of the Hunter. Starring oh, my Robert God. I, yes, I need to see that. I don't know why I didn't have that on my list. I definitely should. Yeah, so that's one I do have to pick up. Um, I've heard nothing but raves about it. Again, never saw. Um, I, I think picked- that, I'm not to interrupt you again, but I'm going to. I think that was like the first Criterion Collection Blu-ray I ever bought, and I still haven't fucking watched it. Oh, really? So I need to fix that. Yeah. Okay. Um, next up is 1989's Roadhouse. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How have nice. I not seen this yet? I don't know, but I have a copy. I'm going to watch it. Um, I've got, uh, from 1968, Clint Eastwood in Coogan's Bluff. Oh, okay. Um, quick, this is before Dirty Harry, but it's after Spaghetti Western. Mm-hmm. Uh, he plays an Arizona deputy sheriff who goes to New York to pick up a prisoner. And, uh, the prisoner escapes, and then it's up to him to recapture him. Hmm. So, again, another cat and mouse style movie. Um, again, so that's from 68. I've got, uh, 2009's The Road. Oh, okay. Viggo Mortensen. Yeah. Um, I, I, again, a movie I own, never watched. I heard it's dark as fuck, so you have to be in the mood to watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never been in that mood to watch something bleak uh, like that, so that's why I haven't yet. Um, and it's funny that we all have a uh, Hitchcock film on our list. <laughs> He's I've one of the got, best. I've got 1954's Rear Window. 
Oh my God. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So aside from your window, I think uh, I, I would be able to take your list as well. Cause I don't think I've seen any of the other ones besides uh, rear window on there. So. Okay. And then the last one on my list is 1976 marathon man with Dustin Hoffman. Okay. Yeah. Another That's one a, I haven't seen. Yeah. So uh, those are the, um, those are the 10 movies in my uh, orbit right now that I want to see, which I've never watched. Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. Um, Excellent. And then as, obviously we'll, because we talk about everything we watch, so we can mm-hmm. uh, be excited to kind of hear about these as we move forward and end up watching them. Um, and then maybe six months from now, who knows, maybe we'll have watched enough that we can update our lists. So yeah. I'm hoping to sprinkle mine within my my A, Z, uh, A to Z challenge. Yeah, um, definitely. If not, they'll just have to be uh, uh, an addendum to my challenge to right. add these during the course of the year. But I'm hoping <laughs> to watch all 10 uh, by the end of December. Definitely. Excellent. So that is going to be that for this week. So remember, next week we uh, will be back with Resident Evil Afterlife from 2010. And so if you have any questions for the three of us here at the Cinefessions podcast, please hit us up using the hashtag InFilmWeTrust for all of your questions you'd like us to answer on the show. And we'll do our best to answer everything that is tossed our way. So again, make sure you tweet at us using the hashtag InFilmWeTrust. If for some reason you're not on Twitter, you can call us at 1302-448-TALK or that's 1302-448-8255 or email us at contact at com for any question of the week options. And as always, if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a review. Uh, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, or if you're listening to us somewhere else, leave us a review there. Positive reviews help us reach a larger audience, which is always the goal. So we really appreciate you guys taking the time to leave us that review. And just a reminder, you can always reach us on social media. We love to interact with listeners there. So you can find us at Cinefessions on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So make sure you're following us on all three of those platforms there. And uh, Ash, remind everyone where we can find you online. On Twitter, D-H-G-F-A-S-H-E. Um, and that's pretty much it. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> right. And Mark, how about you? Uh, you can get me on Instagram at uh, mnado 2 So that's uh, M-N-A-D-E-A-U-0-2. And as well on Twitter at uh, Mark with the letter C underscore Nado. Well, it's uh, M-A-R-C underscore N-A-D-E-A-U. And uh, yeah, just send me a message there and we'll chat. Fantastic. And you can also follow me on uh, Instagram and Twitter using my hash, uh, my uh, name, uh, whatever the hell you call those things, the tag, I, whatever. Simon1, P-S-Y-M-I-N-1. Um, I pretty much use that for everything. So follow me there on Twitter <laughs> and Instagram and wherever else. I don't know. So, <laughs> all right. So thank you, Mark. Thank you, Ash, for joining me again this week. Ton of fun talking about Resident Evil and our our personal cinefessions. Um, last but not least, I want to uh, throw it out there one more time. If you have not already done so, make sure to go to cinefessions.com and vote for the poll to, to help decide what our next podcast arc is going to be. Uh, you're choosing one of the distributors for us to highlight. So it's either Draft House Films, Scream Factory, or Vinegar Syndrome. And it's up to you guys to let us know what you would like to hear us cover. Which comp- which five releases from one of those three companies would you like to hear us discuss most? Uh, Draft House Films, Scream Factory, or Vinegar Syndrome. Cinefessions.com. It's right in the right-hand side uh, sidebar. You can't miss it. It's going to be right at the top there. Let your voice be heard and let us know what you would like us to talk about on our next podcast arc. 
So I want to thank you everyone for listening to the 77th episode of the Cinefessions podcast. And remember, in film we trust. We'll catch you next time. Yeah.